Hi, welcome to the Book of Medora. It's the podcast where we talk about the lore and the fiction of the Legend of Zelda series. My name is Crystal, and with me today is Cameron. Yeah, I love Spirit Tracks. And Monica. Hello, I also love Spirit Tracks. Yeah, Spirit Tracks is the best handheld Zelda game. It's better than Link's Awakening. It's definitely better than Triforce of the Gods, too. I was going to save that until the talk about it at the end of the second part of this, but yeah, I would also call it the best handheld Zelda game. I concur. In fact, I would go so far as to call it the best 2D Zelda period if you classify it with those. We're opening up with some hot takes. Yeah, well. Oh, I don't know if I'd call it the best 2D Zelda. I mean, strictly speaking, I think it actually belongs to a second school or rather a third school completely separate from the link to the past derived 2d zeldas because the way that you interact with its puzzles is so different and it's so mechanically different that it can't necessarily or at least it can't be lumped in with them thoughtlessly without a lot of caveats but if you do it's my favorite of those well i really like the first one but spirit tracks is good you walked back a minute there now shut up i don't i love it now, there is another title for Spirit Tracks, Ugh. and that is the official title given in the Iwata Asks interview about Spirit Tracks, the official translation of Daichi no Kitaki, Train Whistle of the Wide World. I like that title. I, I get you better because that's going to end up being the name of the episode. <laughs> now, Spirit Tracks was decided as the English title before they finalized the Japanese title, so they reverse engineered it. And one of the titles they considered was Train Whistle of the Soul. That's also pretty good. I like the Wide World one better because in this game you really travel for a while. Now, wait, Crystal, are you saying here that Spirit Tracks is the original title of the game? That is correct, yes. Okay, so just (laughs) to be clear... This is going to be one of those cases where you opt to use the localized version of the game's title instead of the original when you make the episode. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I see, I'm sorry. I, I don't feel like I understood the question. I, f- I see like we're all doing some walking back on our principles here. <laughs> I, I will be using Train Whistle of the Wide World as uh-huh. the episode title. Right. And that's not the original. That is a translation of the localized title from the Japanese. Right. I've never claimed to use the original title. Nah, that's a pretty nice little loophole you left yourself there by not explaining why you do these things. I choose the best titles. No, you don't. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Okay, what's what's the title that's better than the titles I use? Give me an example. Hold on, let me bring it up. Uh, We're getting off to a strong start. The Hyrule Fantasy? How do you feel about that? I still like The Legend of Zelda. Okay, Triforce of the Gods. A Link to the Past is still good, but Triforce Triforce of the the Gods Gods is really strong. Dreaming Islands. I feel like Link's Awakening might be the better title. Dreaming Islands seems like a spoiler. Baton of Winds. Okay, listen. Wind Waker is a better title than Baton of Winds. Okay. Seeds of the Mysterious Tree. Chapter of Earth. Jesus, hell. <laughs> Seeds of the Mysterious Tree, Chapter of Space-Time. Jesus, God, That's hell. a good title. Is it? Yes. I think four it's a... Four Swords g- Plus. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to top Four Swords Plus, I guess. The Mysterious Hat. <laughs> I like that one. 
I really like the Minish Cap, but the mysterious hat tells you a lot. It feels like the title of the Zelda anime series episode that's devoted to the plot of the Minish Cap. It also applies to both of the hats in the game. Oh, does. Wait, doesn't the Minish Cap also apply literally to both hats? I guess. Because one of them is a hat made by the Minish and the other one is a hat that is a Minish. That's fair. Okay. That's a good one. Good translation. Hourglass of Dreams. No. No, 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 no. I will not budge on this one. I do like Hourglass of Dreams, but Phantom Hourglass is a better title. It's the more badass title. It has more to do with what's going on in the game. It's Angry American Kirby. How dare you disparage Angry American Kirby in any way? I'm not disparaging it. Don't you disparage it. I love Angry American Kirby. Okay, so... The prologue of the game. I don't know. No? No, I don't know. I'm tired now. It's by Nico again. Oh, good. And where Nico is are inaccuracies. <laughs> Do we want to read it out? Yeah, I'm bringing it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are y'all using a text dump here or what? I'm using The Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks cutscenes on YouTube.com, oh. uploaded by G God Studios. That's a hell of a channel name. This is a tale. From long ago, it's the tale of the first settlers of this land. In the beginning, the people followed the spirits of good, and all was peaceful. But that era of peace soon came to an end. The evil demon king rose to power, destroying everything in his path. The spirits of good had no choice but to face him in battle. The war that ensued seemed to last an eternity, and much blood was shed. Finally, the spirits subdued the demon king, though they could not destroy him. Their powers were greatly depleted. With their remaining power, they buried the demon king's spirit in the ground. They built shackles to imprison him, and a tower that acted as a lock. These shackles cover the land to this day. With their power drained, the spirits of good return to the heavens. Suddenly bereft of both demons and spirits, this land was entrusted to us. Then we pull back, and it turns out that, once again, Nico is telling the backstory through his pictures. Now, there are a lot of ambiguities in the story. What One might go so far as to call them contradictions. Mm-hmm. Some might say, Nico, what the fuck do you, what are, what are you doing? What is this? Is Nico talking about him and his friends settling it, the land? Did this happen a hundred years ago and he just chose to use uh, pre-agrarian art styles to represent the peoples of the lands when the spirits of good went to war with the demon king? Yeah, that's one thing I was thinking. It's possible that, you know, if Tetra and Nico and their crew were the first settlers of the land, they saw this whole battle go down. That's pretty funny. So, so what happened to the indigenous people of New Hyrule? Um, okay, I think we need to set down right here that the way Nico is telling this story doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> because the way he's telling it is that they're... There were no people there when the first settlers, Nico, showed up. And all this bullshit happened a hundred years ago. Uh, uh. There's two ways to read it. Either there were first settlers 
that um, predated Tetra and her crew, and that I guess just magically disappeared. Or they mean Nico and his crew. Okay, because see, the way that I had understood this story for a decade, because it's been that long since I played, was that the war between Maladus and the Spirits of Good was so cataclysmic that humanity was basically wiped off of this entire continent. That doesn't make too much sense, though, because... um, The Locomo don't count. I think there are a few lines about the Locomo being assigned to watch over the people. They can't watch over no people. Sure they can. And the drawings of the people at the beginning of the story during the Era of Peace are the same as the drawings of the people at the end of the story. Hmm. They're not visually represented as being a different people. God. I don't... The Locomos seem to be like sages. I don't think there is like a Locomo civilization as such, but... Like, I don't think there is, there ever was a Locomo civilization. I think there are seven Locomo. <laughs> oh, no. And they are, like, the sages of the land. That would make sense. There are a lot of buildings, Locomo buildings, but they're much like temples, so. So, which interpretation do you prefer, Crystal? What are my options? Um, the original settlers are disappeared gone. or died mysteriously, or the original settlers are... Tetra and her crew. And I mean, everything of... else about the game seems to point to the second one. I thought that if everything it's the else first about... one. I, I thought Zelda. everything. It, 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 it seems to me that there were indigenous peoples here, but they're gone now. Why it's do you say that? Clear. It just felt that way. I, I swear, I thought that Angie mentioned it at some point in the story during incidental dialogue. I didn't catch it. If so, God damn it! I did rewatch this thing. <laughs> yeah, but you mostly skipped around to the uh, story bits, right? No, it was a 100% playthrough. Uh, but you didn't watch all 25 hours of it. When they started talking about things. That's what I mean when I said you mostly watched the story parts. All of this is complicated by the fact that it's Nico telling the story. Yes. Well, if this had been like a couple hundred years, okay. If it's a hundred years... And Nico was one of the first settlers. That's not how the story would be told. This is, um, hmm. Yeah, the time frame here is problematic. It doesn't really, like, I guess the big reason that I thought that there was a previous society that was wiped out by the battle between Maladus and the Spirits is that the hundred year gap wouldn't make any sense. If it was 500 years, okay. I'll buy into it. Like, this is the story left behind by Nico, the only proof that he was alive. Sure. Well, that's the thing. He he does remark that this story proves that he existed and that it's an old man's final creation. So I think he sort of memorialized a fancy way of saying, hey, we showed up and there was this epic fight. Is, is, is Link's roommate a ghost? No. No? Okay. Because Linebeck's grandson is running around and he's just like Linebeck. Yep. Damn it. I don't know what to do with this. Okay, so this is this is like a story that Nico made to put in a time capsule so that people a thousand years from now would know the history of this land. Sure. Yeah, but he's utterly unreliable, so this could be pretty off. Why does Nico live with Link? Uh, Link needed the cheap rent. <laughs> uh, Nico needed a caretaker. That would make sense. He's old. He's so like a- who are Link's parents? I guess Link's an orphan in this one. 
He's basically raised by Alfonso, right? So what happened to the hero of winds? Why would that be related? Like, I, I don't know. The the hundred year gap is weird in that aspect too, because this is like the shortest known gap between two different links, but they seem to have no relationship to each other. Yeah, they have no relation. Yeah, I mean that's pretty standard, I think. Link probably hooked up with Zelda. There is no blood Tetra. there's no bloodline of the hero. They made a Zelda and then another Zelda. Ah Christ. You, I swear to God. So I yeah, okay. So, I know that one of the things we like to joke about the most with regards to Spirit Tracks is that it's a game about colonialism in a sense. But when you really look at the text, no, it's not. Because there are literally no people who have ever been to this land in the first place before Nico and Tetra's crew arrived. Either that or the original group of people died off which was my thought but you two keep, see, seem to keep One poo-pooing of these two it. ways i don't know either way well you gotta either stick by it or stop poo-pooing it i'm open to both you, uh. so do you think like the presence of humanity is what awakened the demon king maladus no i don't then why would he wake up just as nico arrived i don't think he did i oh. think i'm gonna tell you what i really think and okay. this is This is now I'm getting into that fucking mode, I guess. What I really think is that regardless of whether or not humanity lived on this continent in that long ago time, that the battle with Maladus was more or less contemporaneous with the battle with Demise. He may have been a cousin to Demise, a different member or chief of the demon tribe. But when Nico got here, he learned the story of this land and he puts together this narrative that frames it as being about him. Oh, dear. Okay. Why would Maladus only rise in response to the appearance of humanity? It doesn't make any sense. He's been around for eons and eons. There's kind of a reason, actually. I know there's kind of a reason, but... Do you want me to tell you the reason? What's the reason? Because Maladus needs the the body and the blood of the royal line of Hyrule. Okay. Why does he need it? Uh, he needs it's divine. He yeah. needs it because he got obliterated at some point. Okay. So, like, what obliterated him before the big battle with the spirits of good? Yeah, these don't contradict each other. Regardless, I think that the actual battle took place long ago, and that the spirits have been gone for a very, very long time. Oh, okay, here's a line. This is said by a Hyrule Castle Town resident. By the way, do you know anything about these tracks? People say they've been around since before we came here, but how could that be? Well, there you go. So that, See, this, okay. this okay, is why right. I, I think that the secret third option is that Nico has co-opted a story that doesn't belong to his culture is very possible. So when Nico claims the land was entrusted to us, yeah, he's lying. Yes, I think that's actually the simplest explanation. So... How did they find this story if it all happened long before they ever came here? He probably talked to Angene. Well, Tetra talks sense. often with Angene. That's right. Tetra was a friend with Angene, which and means Angene Nico gave her the flute. And Nico would have been around for at least some of it. He's yeah. part of the royal guard. So I do feel like, you know, it was partially entrusted to them because Angene did entrust the spirit flute to Tetra. He absolutely built this story up though, regardless of yeah. what story was oh, told no, to him. No, or there's no 
disagreement about that. The version given to us by Nico is a half-correct version that he overhears when Angene is telling Tetra about the country. Okay, that makes mm-hmm. sense to me. There were original settlers. They all conveniently died in the war. And then the Hyrulians came to do Maybe a Maybe there weren't even any settlers to speak of. There was a war between the spirits and Maladus. That doesn't require humanity to be there. I'm not saying it no, does. No, that's what I'm, I'm leading okay. in from the thing that you said, not arguing rabble, with rabble. you. <laughs> Argumentative. <laughs> you. You, la- person, you. Um, so you think there never were people who worshipped the spirits of good. That's just uh, an assumption that Nico makes. Yes, maybe it could be a carryover from assumptions. Like it could be a carryover from Hyrule's culture of worship. I find it funny that there are even spirits in this story separate from the Locomo. There are these ancient god people who have gone away, and then there are these slightly more recent godish people, not as divine, and then there are Hylians. Well, I mean, they call them spirits of good, but the spirits of good are gods. Yeah. And they're not, like, minor protector deities either. They're somewhere between the Deku Tree and Hylia. They, like, throw down with the world-destroying Demon King and manage to win. So, Cameron, you believe this war is parallel to, or perhaps even uh, another front of the war between the other Demon King and Hylia? I like that. I I like that particular bit of, um, it's like poetry, it rhymes. (laughs) Synergy? No, not synergy. It's, um, God damn it. It's going to be one of those times where I forget the specific word I want, and then I'm going to end up swearing in front of Crystal, and it all goes to shit. Match, match. Uh, it match matches. Yeah, we'll go with that. It does kind of make the spirit, the crest of the spirits, make a little bit more sense. Because the crest of the spirits is very much like the crest of Hylia. Yes. It's this bird thingy with a triangle thingy. Given that the story of Maladus is told to us before the war with Demise, in a sense, this is the first time that we really hear about this primal, ancient, demonic war that takes place before the arrival of humanity and the establishment of Hyrule. Yep. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I, th- I think we could, uh, given that Spirit Tracks came out relatively soon before Skyward Sword did, I, I think it's not too much of a stretch to say that uh maladus and demise may have been contemporaries okay yeah and link falls asleep listening to all this bullshit just like our listeners are (laughs) nico has probably mentioned this story a few times he tells it every year (laughs) let's see what else to mention here i like that link in this particular cutscene has two separate levels of potential listening that he does because nico asks are you listening to me and Link can either go, uh, or sort of. There's no uh, potential space in which he's listening attentively. Is this the first Zelda game with substantive dialogue choices? Oh, yeah. In a, yeah, actually it is. These, I would go a step beyond that and call these the most substantive dialogue choices in the series. Not necessarily for establishing Link's character. I think Breath of the Wild went further than that. But in terms of what your dialogue choices do, this one's something that the rest of the series needs to catch up with. This game has multiple endings. It has multiple endings, and I think it's the only Zelda game in which that's true, outside of adding extra cutscenes. I really love that they did keep up the dialogue choices, though, in Skyward Sword, in Breath of the Wild, even. Yeah, 
using your dialogue choices as these little incidental ways to tell you more about how Link might react to a situation does a lot to establish him as a character without having to give him a talking in cutscenes kind of voice. Let Iwamoto direct the next 3D Zelda. Iwamoto Ooh. is the director of Spirit Tracks? Mm-hmm. Well then, fuck yeah. Put, put, put them in charge. Do it. Let's go. Got good ideas about how characters ought to work together. What do you two think about Link's engineer outfit? It's the, cute. It's the best. <laughs> He's the greatest in his little engineer outfit. I like that Link has a, a role in this society. Yes. He's very important in a sense. He's going to a, a, a vocational school. He's learning a trade. He's the highest educated Link. Yeah. That we know of. He's getting his degree. <laughs> The little bird on the hat is apparently a dove. And I take that to be sort of like, are you choosing the warrior's path or the peaceful path of an engineer? Oh, no. See, I just thought of it as being like carrier pigeons. It's definitely a dove, though. Pigeons are doves. But it's explicitly mentioned as a dove, and a dove has symbolic importance. Sure, but nobody likes to pretend that pigeons were around hundreds of years ago. They were, though. Doves are filthy animals. It is quite a departure from Twilight Princess in which Link is destined to be a warrior and must walk the lonely path and whatever. Whereas here, Link is an engineer who takes up the sword because it is needed. And when it is no longer needed, he puts it away and goes back to being an engineer. He can, yes. We're not in the good ending. (laughs) We'll we'll get to this. We will get to this. We will. We will. Okay. There we go. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you're right, though, Crystal, in that another way in which this is separated from Twilight Princess in particular, but also Phantom Hourglass, Wind Waker, basically everything going all the way back to Majora's Mask, is that a large part of how Link builds up his strength and moves through the world is by engaging with the community and serving their needs. Because all throughout the rest of the game, you find people who need to travel between towns or have you do supply runs for them. And you're acting as an engineer throughout the game who is essential to keeping the kingdom functioning. I think that's really fun. Yeah, it's cute. Oh, Trains and- are important <laughs> to keeping the kingdom functioning. They are. Yes. And we, we meet Alfonso, who is Gonzo's grandson. And he's much better than Gonzo. Because he doesn't have a crush on a teen. Yep. That's reason one. Uh, Reason two is that Alfonso is Link's tutor, uh, his sensei, if you will. And he's the guy teaching Link how to be an engineer. He's basically the only engineer in the country until Link gets his certification. No, there are other engineers. They just hide when the spirit tracks go wonky. Well, the only one who's willing to work. Fair. It's mentioned that he was the captain of the knights and Hyrule's greatest, well, this place's greatest swordsman. I think we talked about it before. Um, I don't think that New Hyrule is a name that has any canon backing. However, the place Zelda lives is called Hyrule Castle. The place where the castle is is called Hyrule Castle Town. The kingdom's name is definitely Hyrule based on these two factors. I wouldn't say that. Which is interesting because the kingdom itself is never explicitly named, they only refer to it as the kingdom. That is what I was going to say. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron. But it is definitely Hyrule Castle. Right. Which does suggest certain things about the name of the kingdom. No. No? No. Just like Buckingham Palace isn't the center of Buckingham. 
right? Oh, or see. you know, Ottawa isn't the, the the country is not named Ottawa. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, no, you're not wrong. Is there a reason why they would deviate from their ancient convention? I do the customs like, of their tribe. I do like the kingdom being named Hyrule or New Hyrule because that means that Tetra did a big old fuck you to Daphnis. This is just a thorn in our sides a little bit because people refer to it as New Hyrule when that's not actually the name of the kingdom as laid out in the game right. itself. Right, at no point in the game is the, the kingdom named Hyrule. The castle's named, the town is named, but the castle could be as easily named for the town. Or in memory of the old kingdom or country. But the country's never named. No. It is named in a source. And that source is... The Hyrule Historia. The completely non-canon Hyrule Historia. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. It is definitely named there. But this is something that Monica and I have to put out for the sake of our own well-beings because this is something that we've ranted about quietly since 2009. What about the Historia? No, no, not about the Historia. About about the name of the kingdom. Okay. The non-name. Right. People call it Hyrule, but that kind of flies in the face of how, like, you would think that Tetra would carry Daphnis's words with her about how it's not going to be Hyrule. Yeah. Like, if that's the only thing she carries forward from that fucked up old man, it should be that. I also like her saying, fuck you, it is Hyrule, though. <laughs> yeah. Stop swearing in front of Crystal. Okay. You can cuss in front of me. No, we can't. We don't want you repeating these bad words. You can she say can the fuck word in front of me. And I can cuss all I want. It'll give the listeners a bad impression. So, Link's uh, last examination is today. Yes. And who administers the examination? Alfonso. Right. What does it entail? You tell me about the examination. I'm trying to... Oh, he has to drive the train to Hyrule Castle Town in a certain amount of time and, I think, break pretty precisely at the gate. Huh. I can't quite recall all of the terms, but that's some of them. And you get an explanation about train mechanics. Namely, you can change gears from slow to fast. You can reverse. You can pause. You can uh, draw out the tracks on your touchscreen. Oh, you can set your uh, you can set your path. Your path, right? I actually prefer the train enormously compared to the boat in Phantom Hourglass. Absolutely, yes. I oh, yes, because you can you can also finally toot your horn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's very that's literally. Really that's important. Being able to blow the steam whistle, that's a big deal, especially <laughs> because as you go further into the game and get more trains, you get different sounding whistles for every single one of them. They do sound very cool. But I, a lot of people don't like the way that Spirit Tracks doesn't let you explore as openly or freely as a game like phantom hourglass did but i think that's actually necessary for the way that the game was designed because if you could go all over the place willy-nilly to places you can't access yet you end up wasting a lot of time especially with how big spirit tracks world is yeah by putting the game on rails the the realms are a lot bigger they're a lot bigger and you get a sense of, oh, shoot, everybody's cut off from each other because these tracks are malfunctioning. Yeah. Anyway, I like the train. I like blowing the blowing the whistle. So you stop at Hyrule Castle, and I think it's Zelda who actually gives you your certification. Yes. In the ceremony, she hands you the certificate. 
And um, you, you, Link goes to Hyrule Castle for this, and you, during the ceremony, you meet Counselor Cole, who tries to rush Zelda along this ceremony and says that it's a waste of time because the spirit tracks are all disappearing anyway. Incidentally, Chancellor Cole seems normal. <laughs> Chancellor Cole, with his uh, small hat and his extremely small hat set on opposite sides of his head. I love that design. It's, it, it is absolutely one of the strongest character designs to come out of Zelda in the past decade. And um, he's also one of my favorites because the games don't really deal with the traitorous um, advisor in-game very often. They're usually background characters that you never have to deal with, like the wizard from Adventure of Link or the fortune teller in Breath of the Wild. But Chancellor Cole is that guy, and he's right here, and nobody suspects what's going on with him and his two hats. Even though he's very evil-sounding. He's like he's constantly rubbing his little paws together and snickering off in corners, and everybody's like, what's up, Cole? And he's like, ah, nothing, you know, things are good. The spirit tracks are all going away forever. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah, you're awfully happy about this, Cole. No, that's my upset noise. In the castle, you also notice a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, a giant-ass uh, stained-glass window of Tetra. Yeah. And... The banners on the castle, I think, have the insignia. Um, it's basically the prow of the, sh- the pirate ship. What do you call it? The figurehead. Sure. The little dragon thing. Yeah. yeah. And then two cross swords, um, like on the on the sails of the pirate ship in Wind Waker. Yeah. So she, it's a pirating kingdom. Yeah, it's a pirate kingdom. So I Pirates, think it's uh, usually operate via democratic principles i don't know if that's true no they did historically oh they did yeah yes oh it's a very democratic system you should play assassin's creed 4 black flag i don't know that i should i should probably i love tall ships wouldn't you rather just play that one where all you're doing is tall ships yes well maybe skull and bones yeah skull and bones that's not out for another year that's fine it gives us time to finish other things and it doesn't tell you the history of the Pirate Republic of Nassau. That's true. Oh, so, well, maybe you should play Assassin's Creed, the fourth one. Um, is that on the PlayStation 4? Yes, it is. Oh, well, see, we could pro- I bet that game's only like $15 now if we look for it. No, it's probably not very expensive at all, considering it came out uh, five years ago. I want to encounter that glitch where the there's a giant hole in the sea. And then the ship suddenly pops in and starts floating up, and then the dead corpses of the pirates start floating up. That is yeah, one, that's a good one. That is yeah. one of the all-time great glitches. There's actually one more detail about the castle that I think might be worth mentioning. Um, I don't know if it comes up later in the game. I'm sure you have it in your notes somewhere. And that is the guards. Mm-hmm. And the guards of the castle are notable in this game because they are all wearing the green of fields. (laughs) They're all dressed like big dorky versions of Wind Waker Link. Literally. Literally. Well, the captains and higher-ups get hats. Yeah. But the new recruits get the Link cap. Yeah. So you're a scrub if you're wearing the Link cap. I don't know why they came to the conclusion that you're of higher rank when you're not wearing the hero's full outfit. It, it's totally Tetra. Tetra did it's it. It's hard to stay on. It slides off all the time. <laughs> it, it verifiably does not. 
Well, yeah, if you're the hero. Yeah, I guess so. I, I just can picture her, you know, setting up this castle and going, yeah, okay, new recruits are wearing what Link's wearing because he's green. He's green, and he's, th- this right here, he's the captain of my guard, and the rest of you are going to act like that. <laughs> That's the history of the new Hyrulean Guard, which is, they do call themselves the Hyrule Guard, I think. Hyrule being the name of the family line. That's what it is. Notably here, too, um, Zelda is standing in front of the one throne, and she's definitely the monarch of this kingdom. 100%. As the princess. Yes. What happened to her mama and papa? Um, we don't know that her papa was ever very important at all. Uh, we don't even know that her mama was that important. All we know is that her grandmother was important. What is it with Zelda in particular and deciding that 100 years after the given point in time, your grandchild will be the same age that you are now? <laughs> she, she might be a great-grandchild. Uh, I bet not. It's definitely a grandchild. It's definitely a running theme in these games that grandchildren are parallel ages 100 years later. Maybe Hylians are just that way. I guess. I guess they must be. Actually, now that you mention the time gap exactly like mirrors Breath of the Wild, or Breath of the Wild exactly mirrors Spirit Tracks. Yep. That's really funny. (laughs) I guess so. Well, there's no Zora in this game, so they can't just go, yeah, I was here the other day. Yeah, that's also Or true. Sheikah, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's Nico. Is Nico a Sheikah? No, I mean, Nico is still that character oh. who has links to the old world, sort of. Yes. What is it like when Nico's the character in the story who has the most history? Doom and gloom. Crystal, could you tell us about what happens when they leave the dang old castle? It doesn't happen for a while. Oh, it doesn't? No. Well, somebody tell me what happens next. I know they're going to ride the train to the Tower of Spirits, but they run into a little trouble because before you leave, Chancellor Cole mentions that some of the spirit tracks have been disappearing around the kingdom. Ah. And then as you ride to the Tower of Spirits, the tracks disappear right in front of you. Yes. Well, during the first meeting when Link is getting certified, uh, Zelda hands him a note asking him to sneak out to talk to her and you have to go and sneak in and she asks to go to the tower of spirits um that's what causes them to to sneak on over oh um she also yells all aboard and alfonso goes that's my line oh she's not actually supposed to be on no the train she's not supposed to be there because counselor cole is running things and it's... saying it's too dangerous for her to leave cole is essentially regent at this point Maybe. How did the fuck did this happen? Okay, I guess we actually do have a pretty good idea of what happened to Zelda's mom and pop. And it's that motherfucker wearing the two hats. It's possible. You think he he murdered them? I think that he may have been involved in circumstances that resulted in their deaths. And they just let that pass. Well, I mean, if he did it in secret, no one would know. (laughs) Crystal, this guy looks like a tiny version of Satan in the first place, and nobody's asking any questions about it. What The Hyrulean royal family is very trusting. He's kind of like an oh. evil leprechaun. <laughs> they constantly are having these mysterious soothsayers give prophecies and then kill the, the king and take over the kingdom. Yeah. 
That's just, you know, that's just what happens. There really should be a policy against that. There really ought to be a law. But yeah, it's, I, I think actually if we want to read into the backstory, and we do because that's what this podcast is about, then I think probably Chancellor Cole is in a position of power specifically because he became chancellor and then made it so that the only person in charge of the kingdom was someone who is in many ways too young to rule. Right, that's why he can give Zelda orders, because Zelda's like 12. Yeah. What's that's, she going to say? That's that's pretty reasonable, really. During the sneak out, um, this is when Zelda gives Link his recruit outfit. The, uh, the, uh, the guard uniform. The guard uniform, so he can pose as any guard. Right. And this is the first time you can practice the whole mechanic where... You can run around freely as Link and then draw a little path for Zelda to go around. And Link can wander. Actually, it's sort of the inverse of, you know, the Phantom's mechanic because Link can comfortably talk to all the guards and they're like, hey, what's up? Why are you staring at me? Why, why aren't you saying anything? And Zelda has to discreetly avoid them. Why have you got such big eyes? Oh, I sure it's a good thing that I'm not having to do anything else in particular while I'm staring at you. But this is the first sequence where you get into the best part of Spirit Tracks outside of the music and the settings and different things about the stories and the characters, which is that you can control Zelda, which is nice. Yes. Yeah, they, they allowed Zelda to be a character in this game. She's been a character before, but now she's basically a player character. She's your companion character. She's more than just a companion character, though, because no companion character up to this point has been as mechanically essential to your progression as Zelda is. Midna ain't shit compared to what Zelda's doing here in terms of how you play. Fair. It is truly the legend of Zelda. For once. <laughs> for once. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say for once. I've I have a much gentler view of Zelda's role and uh, centrality in Breath of the Wild than I think either of you two do, but compared to Spirit Tracks, it still ain't much. So they get to the Tower of Spirits. Well, they yeah. kind of crash to the Tower of Spirits. N not crash, but they stop because there's no tracks left. And if the tracks aren't there, the engine just stops, basically? The, the train side rails and i guess is destroyed because you get a new train later it basically explodes but the tower of spirits the central hub of the spirit tracks it breaks apart in, into a bunch of different pieces big floaty bits and a big uh not glowing but big floating train rushes by and it's got a face on it and the face really looks like ganon it's just ganon it's just ganon now, what what exactly is the nature of the demon train? That's the thing. <laughs> the game never really gets into it, to the best of my knowledge. The important thing to keep in mind here is that the demon train is not Maladus. It's not. It's completely separate from Maladus, though Maladus has the ability to call on it. Yeah, Maladus rides the train. But I can only suppose that, you know, whoever made it wanted it to look really badass and... They were like, oh, you know what's really badass? Ganon. We're just going to stick his face on here. Are we talking about like the meta level where whoever was designing it for the game? Or like the person who built the spirit, the demon train in the fiction? I was meaning the fiction, but it could easily be both. Because if it's in the fiction, I mean, it also looks exactly like Demise. Yeah. Well, no. Well, it has no. the beard, doesn't it? It's got a train guard thing cattle rail 
Cattle guard? Yeah, that's just Ganon. <laughs> Great flaming eyebrows. Yeah, it's really a very good train design. Maybe it's just a demon that takes the form of a train. But it happens to have all the same facial proportions as Ganondorf. Maybe it's Ganondorf. Maybe it's just Ganondorf and he's a train now. <laughs> yeah, Ganondorf was reincarnated as a demon the train. We definitely agreed at the end of Wind Waker that Ganondorf isn't dead. He is sealed away. So is okay. this him leaking through? No. No. It just looks like him. Okay. It's a train that looks like him. I think it's probably supposed to be Demise with a cattle guard. Because that's a thing in Hyrule, running over giant pigs and cows. Or not Hyrule. New, not new Hyrule. <laughs> I like the idea that this is a little bit, a little bit again, because the demon train isn't, does it ever talk to you? No. No. It, has, it doesn't talk. It has no agency expressed at any point. Okay, so it's like a little bit, a little bit of Ganon's uh, malice leaked out of the rock under the ocean and took the form of a demonic train. So do you think that that's why Cole felt he could act after 100 years? It's just like, oh, wait a second. Now we've got a train. Yeah, now we have a train on our side. And it floats. So you, you can use it without the tracks. It is separate from the spirit tracks. And Ganon's down there at the bottom of the ocean and is like, this is my life now. <laughs> <laughs> so in the great twist of the game. Um, the greatest twist. Cole appears without his two hats. Ah. Uh. And he has two tiny horns. The tiniest horns. And he's a demon, probably. I mean, yeah, by all that, appearances. He's definitely a demon. He's, he's absolutely a demon. He's got the little sectioned horns on there. They're like ram horns, kind of. And his left horn's way smaller than his right horn. And he's running around with this real mysterious-looking guy with a giant gauntlet on his left arm. This is some kid's design of a very grim badass character it's so good it's really good this is burn and he has one of the greatest character themes in the history of the franchise and this is also the part where alfonso proves definitively that he's better than gonzo because when a demon shows up with its big scary enforcer guy with a robot arm alfonso pulls out a sword and gets ready to fucking fight yes it's not link no, it's not. Link can't do shit in this situation. Does he get taken out early in this cutscene, or is he just like, ah? No, he's no. Alfonso shields Zelda and Link. Oh, Link doesn't even have a sword at this point. Right. Okay, so Alfonso fights off Burn by himself, or tries to. Actually, I don't know if he has a sword. Alfonso? No, Link. No, I don't think he has a sword. Link no. is not armed in this scene. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Would he have taken one from the guard? No. Anyway. I can't remember that part. Anyway. But I think he gets it later. It's true. Alfonso has the big fight with Burn and tries to hold him off while Cole does, if I remember, the evil magic at Zelda. And right. He, he murders Zelda. And Zelda fucking dies. Yeah. Zelda just dies on screen. It's They kill a child on screen. Yeah. It's really fucking intense. Link makes an effort to, to protect her after Alfonso's wiped out, but no. <laughs> I love everything about the way that Cole animates during this sequence because his eyes start staring in different directions and he's shooting steam out of his face and he just starts waving his arms. He is reminiscent of the Happy Mask Salesman. A little bit. Mm -hmm. And I also like that Alfonso asks Zelda's permission before pulling his sword out to whoop some ass. He's so cool in this one. <laughs> 
the evil demon gremlin does have orange hair he does that is kind of a thing it's one of the signifiers of the demon tribe mm-hmm. yeah hmm I also like that Byrne looks at Alfonso and says to Cole, like, actually, you should step back and let me handle this because Alfonso will whip the ass of the actual bad guy in this game. So then he just starts in on the fight and he has this extremely elaborate for a DS polygonal game fight with Byrne where Byrne reveals that he is not human. And then he defeats Alfonso and then Cole zaps Zelda and it all goes to shit. Apparently, Burns' name in Japanese is a really elaborate pun. What's his name? It was, I think, Digo or something like that. Yeah, which, you know, Go means five, so it's D5, which refers to the D51 steam locomotive type that is extremely popular in Japan. Thank you, Zelda.gamepedia.com slash burn. It's a very elaborate pun. It is. It's good. His German name is... D lock, uh, which is derived from D hyphen lock, the shortened form of the German word Dampf locomotive, meaning steam locomotive. That's also really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I don't. His think Spanish name is Diego. Transliterated <laughs> Japanese name. That's lost. Yeah, but it's also very good because it's just a regular name. I don't think burn means anything outside of like burning coal. Yeah, no, burning it's coal. definitely meant to be burn. Because burn. As we will find out later, there's a good reason that he should have a name that's related to trains. Yes, but Burning Coal, the Chancellor. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, it's all coming together now. We're We're seeing the disparate segments all working in tandem. This is how it goes, folks. This is how the magic is made. Okay, Zelda dies. Zelda fucking dies. Engine. What? Like engine. Okay. Yeah, that took me a while, too. Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. We need to talk about this for a second, because Monica genuinely only realized this about three days ago. Yeah, I just realized it just now. Oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> the two of you. Yay! I'm not alone. Oh, well, Let me look up the names of the other locomotives. Oh. Gauge, Steam, Carbon, Ambrose, Rail. Okay. <laughs> yep. You, the, ten years ago, this just wasn't, it just didn't click for you? No. Uh. It didn't click for me either. Huh. Well, here we are. Uh-huh. Everybody has trained pun names in this game, which is good. This was the one this was during a period of localization for the Zelda games where they tried really hard to get equivalent jokes going, even for things as simple as names. The other example of this would probably be Skyward Sword, but Spirit Tracks goes in on it really hard. This game is pretty joke heavy. It's very joke heavy. It's great. It's very lighthearted as these things go even though it deals with some very dramatic moments but it's like dramatic moments for a kid's story the part when link gets dressed up in the the link outfit the green tunic yeah and zelda has looked away so he could get dressed and then looks back and is like it's good enough she's like uh yeah. whatever it's great it's a funny game and link doesn't even like it that much yeah. The hero's well, clothes suck. His great-grandpa didn't either. No, he didn't. I think that even at that point, they knew that Link's traditional outfit just wasn't actually all that good. I mean, it's pretty good. No, I'm, I'm dropping my hot take here, and that in the wake of Breath of the Wild, there's no reason to ever go back to the green tunic as the default design. <sighs> the green tunic's pretty good. How many outfits in Breath of the Wild are better than the green tunic? A, a number of them. Okay. To be sure. 
But like, I don't know. I like that Link wears an outfit that shouldn't work but does. That he also <laughs> kind of hates. Yeah, like Spider-Man. Does Spider-Man hate his own costume that he made? No, but Spider-Man's costume, like, breaks a lot of the rules for superhero costumes, but it works. And also color. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Well, okay. We'll return to, in the wrap-up episode of Book of Medora, I'm sure we'll get back around to, should Link go back to wearing the green tunic? I'm not saying it should be his only outfit. Zelda's dead. Yep. Link got backhanded. By burn. By burn. And when he blacks out, he basically sees her body being carried off. Because she's dead. Yes. And there's a little glowy bit of light that, you know, hovers around for a second and then rushes towards the castle. Right, her ghost. Yes. As we later find out, it is indeed her ghost. <laughs> um, Link reawakens in the castle. Um, Alfonso is there recuperating as well. Everybody's like, where's the princess? Where is the princess? Because Alfonso, was he unconscious for that part? Yes. So all they know is that Cole and Burn absconded with Zelda. Sorry, I'm watching the cutscene where Burn slaps Link aside, and the comedic timing of this game is so good because he spends so much time winding up his slap, and then Link just goes flying and bounces like three times and slides 30 feet, and then the camera hangs on him for just long enough (laughs) to be hilarious. Well, we're going to look at that right now, actually. It's about 1240. God, Cole is so evil. I do like how brave Link is here, just interposing himself. Jesus Christ! (laughs) It's like he got launched out of a fucking cannon. (laughs) Oh, shit. I wish I wasn't such a mark for slapstick humor. He just bounces two or three times. It's good. It's not a tiny bounce either. He's like a bouncy ball just zooming along. The cutscene direction in this game is very good. One might say the best of any Nintendo dual screen game. I think that's very true. One might say some of the best in the Legend of Zelda series. I would agree with that. I think that another thing that we could also look at here is Zelda's characterization during these scenes. Because Zelda here never does anything to help herself. Specifically, she doesn't say anything in particular when Alfonso faces off against Burn. And when Burn is walking toward her, she asks Link to help her. And then when Link gets knocked into the next kingdom, uh, she basically just tells them to stay away from her. And then she gets blasted with magic and killed and her ghost flies away. Which is sort of the lead-in to Zelda's dynamic and her change over the course of the next few scenes. Because as she mentions later, it's... A historical thing, a conventional thing for princesses to just stay Not, and wait. They don't have much agency. It's what they've always done. It's a tradition. Uh, we can get to that in the actual scene, though. Okay. So Link comes to, and he walks around in a place, and it's like, why does he know to go to Zelda's study? Her ghost is hovering around trying to yell at people who can't hear her. Oh, okay. So he basically follows her up into her study. And she's relieved that he can see her? Tell me about this. Let me pull up my notes. Crystal, tell me about this. Oh, wait, you're just looking at the cutscenes. Monica, (laughs) tell me about this. Uh, The ghost of Zelda runs around going, help, why can't you hear me, etc. 
Link follows her into her study, and she's like, oh, you can see me. Um, she chastises herself for not realizing that the evil gremlin man was actually a demon. Very true. I think during this sequence, it's also when she brings up the importance of the spirit flute. which Yes, the prized family heirloom. That her grandma used to play when she was feeling upset. She says it belonged to one of her ancestors, the founder of this kingdom, who, that's a weird way to refer to, like, your great-grandma. I think definitely the grandma. She says grandma at one point, like, played it for her, meaning Tetra. So she refers to her grandma as one of her ancestors? Yep. Yeah. That's okay. just... It's a very weird... It's a really weird way to refer to your grandma. It's like how in The Avengers, Thor refers to the events of the previous Thor film as his youth. <laughs> That's really something for a guy who's like 2,000 years old. Also... He's only about 1,000. Except that Infinity War contradicted that and said he's about 1,500. When did that come up? He, he says directly, you know, I'm about 1,500 years old to Rocket Raccoon. He rounded up. <laughs> That's a lot of rounding. Or down previously. That's but also the Jotun invasion of Norway was like 865, and Thor would have been recently born around then. Hmm. Uh, I got nothing. Actually, that might work. If he's rounding, then maybe he turned 1250 between those two times. And then he literally rounded up. Yeah. He just rounds to the nearest 500. <laughs> I'm glad we solved this mystery about Thor's age. Well, I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and its particular uh, plot contrivances are the ones most in need of resolving. So if you were like, so if you're 35, would you say you're almost 40? Oh, God, would anyone? Like, I'm 30 right now, and I would say I'm going on uh, 25. (laughs) Well, if you're, like, basically immortal... Yeah, I guess you wouldn't care. Like, maybe in Thor's case, he wants to sound older than he is. Okay. So he's he's more like a 12-year-old rounding up to 15. Yeah, basically. He wants... T- he transitions from being like, no, I'm not one of those stodgy old people, to I am much wiser and more experienced than you would assume. It's about how he wants to present himself. Would Rocket Raccoon know the difference? Absolutely not. Okay. It means a lot. I'm sorry. Play. The Battle of Tonsberg was in 965 AD. Ah. Uh, well, okay. Well, it doesn't quite work, but whatever. He rounds very generously up. Yeah. So, spirit tracks. What about it? Um, this is where Link gets a sword. They need a sword to take the secret tunnel between the castle and the Tower of Spirits because... They can't go the traditional route because with without the tracks, you can't travel around in the country. Right. They just have an underground tunnel that was dug manually at some point, though I guess a spirit, uh, one of the old gods could have done it too, that runs the entire distance between Hyrule Castle and the Tower of the Spirits, which is miles away. They're right beside each other. They're right, be- okay. They're right beside each other. And it makes sense because... You know, if Maladus did break out and the tower lock was borked and the the tracks would disappear. So they need some um, footway to access. Well, if they're right by each other, why not just walk over there? They do. No, I mean over land. 
Oh, it's a bit longer of a tunnel, and it's fallen into disuse, and there's monsters like rats, uh, which are terrifying. Right, yes. This is another thing um, that comes up multiple times over the course of the game, in that Zelda has a phobia of rats. I don't mean that she is like, ah, rats, scared of them. I mean, she literally freezes up and cannot move if they're within five feet of her. It's very cute. This remains true when she does not have a body and there's no way for rats to interact with her. I mean, you know, phobias are irrational by definition. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's, like, less of a person for it. It's just what it is, and it comes up several times. It's very cute. They go to the tower and they meet Angine, who has Tetra's hairstyle. She does have Tetra's hairstyle. And Tetra's facial expressions. (laughs) Yes. Which is interesting. You think she's Tetra? No. No? I oh. think they were really good friends. Yeah, it's like she thinks that Tetra's so cool, she starts styling herself after her and picking up on her mannerisms. And she also winks a lot. Yeah, she does the Tetra, Tetra wink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, okay. Does the timeline of this game become easier if we're willing to say that Nico is not Nico, but he is a descendant of Nico who looks like Nico? Yes, I think so. It does, but there are a few things that make that not work so well um unless you assume nico's lying the whole time um nico tasks you to get stamps to put in this um little passport thing of his right and after a certain number of stamps he gives you uh wind waker link's phantom hourglass shield and then after all of the stamps are collected he gives you a scroll that teaches the great spin attack and he says both were from an old friend. Okay. Though so I guess Nico, Wind Waker Nico could have had Kid Nico and then... Kid Nico could have really looked up to the grizzled 70-year-old Link. Yeah, I, I guess. But that even that time gap doesn't really no. make enough difference. It just Maybe doesn't. Nico's just like 300. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. They talk about 100 years being a very long time. They do. This series loves 100 years. I'm glad they finally went for 10,000 and just said, screw it. <laughs> a very long time. That's a very long... Breath of the Wild treats 100 years far more realistically than the rest of the series does. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, Angine really likes Tetra, looks and acts like Tetra, teases them, and she basically explains that they need to go into the tower of spirits in order to restore a portion of the spirit tracks so that they can travel to separate towers that are littered throughout the land and use that to restore more and more of the spirit tracks by restoring power to different parts of the tower essentially they are going to lay out the road to the next dungeon go to the dungeon come back use that to form the next road and so on and so forth until they've reunited the entirety of the new kingdom oh yeah i'm sorry Zelda's line, Zelda has a line, my family first arrived here about a century ago. Well. So forget all that timeline theorizing. It was definitely a hundred years. Yeah, it's literally a hundred years it's mentioned in the text. <laughs> Why is this game? <laughs> so, okay, so her, like, she seemed, she's surprised that Anjine knew one of her ancestors. And Anjine also refers to Tetra as one of Zelda's ancestors. Yes. I mean, then t- later she talks about how her grandma used to play the spirit flute. Yeah. It's definitely her grandma. <laughs> but you can't do it. It's not allowed to write this way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's totally allowed. A hundred years means a lot to a 12-year-old. It does. That's infinity, basically. 
Um, and Jean also points out that she's basically holding the remaining tracks in place on her own power. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty badass. She's strong. And this is also where they discuss that Maladus needed, uh, quote, a vessel from the, the royal line of ancient Hyrule with sacred power coursing through its veins to fully uh, come back. So when Tetra landed, you'd think that this would be something that they discussed, like, hey, can we settle here? Um, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> you in particular should probably go away. The rest of you can stay. You might have problems. But they're like, yeah. Is, is this the first time that Zelda's bloodline is referred to as sacred? I think that this is the first time, because this is an evolution of the light force, so to speak. But I think this is the first time that it's ever made explicitly tied to her bloodline, like as being a thing of her blood. And not like in the Minish Cap where it's a sacred thing transferring through the generations. Right. She's got special blood. She does literally have special blood. So when Anjin tells Zelda that Maladus plans <laughs> to resurrect himself in her body, she freaks out. <laughs> it is so good. She has it's so gross. The... Ah, I want to use my body like that. And she instantly tells like that we have to go now. Now. <laughs> we are going to do the thing. By which I mean you're going to do the thing. I'm not doing shit. It's a tradition for us to just stay back. I'm. Oh, it's like, oh, hold on. I have to get this particular line. <clears throat> you have a very important mission ahead of you. The kingdom is in danger. You're all. We're all counting on you. You understand the gravity of the situation, don't you? You must find the sacred rail maps in this tower. I will wait for you here. That's what princesses have always done. From what I understand, it's kind of a family tradition. No need to be scared. Just buck up and get moving. Now, I'm not communicating very well the way this scene is directed, because as I remember, her eyes are, like, super wide, and she gets closer and closer to Link with every <laughs> single word until he starts having to, like, back up. And this is where Angie interrupts and says, like, oh, you know, the traps in this tower mean that it's impossible to do alone. And you have then, to do it together. And then, I swear to God, Zelda turns to this old lady who our listeners don't know, but Angene's design is of an ancient woman who doesn't have any legs and has a steam-powered wheelchair. And I swear to Christ, she turns to this old lady and says, uh, so are you going with him? <laughs> this game is so good. For any- she asked, she'll ask specifically, can you guide Link upstairs? <laughs> For any listeners who haven't played Spirit Tracks yet, you really should pause this podcast, go play it, and then come back. Jesus God, go play it. It is it's a good game. Now, okay, you referred to the lower half of Anjin's body as her wheelchair. I was thought it was, like, her body. I, I think it is her body, but it looks okay. like a wheelchair. I don't know okay. if we want to get into this, but at the very end, she floats out of her chair. Oh. She has legs. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so she's, okay. She's riding a little steam wheelchair thing. She's old and decrepit. She can't go upstairs. She makes it up. Uh, she's magic. But Zelda doesn't know that. Yeah, no, she doesn't. I just love the audacity of her asking this ancient, because she's so removed from the idea of doing anything for herself. And Angie's like, uh, just go. Just go and do the heroic thing that you're actually supposed to be doing. The kingdom is your responsibility. Yes. 
And this is also interesting because it's the first time that we're really given an insight into Zelda's relationship with the kingdom, not as a place that she rules over, but as a place that she works and toils for. So Link and Zelda uh, go upstairs, see a phantom. The phantom kind of menaces, menacingly walks towards Link and they're like, oh, we're out. <laughs> they go back down and Angie's like, oh, the phantoms are fine. They only attack evil things. Unless, you know, um, evil spirits have possessed these these phantoms. And if the evil spirits have possessed the phantoms, well, I suppose they're going to try to kill you as soon as they see you. But you still have to do it. She points out there's safe tiles, much like uh, Phantom Hourglass. And there are these three tiers of light that um, Link needs to gather along each section of the tower. That will power up the sword with energy and allow him to not kill the phantoms, but um, temporarily um, make them woozy. Incapacitate. Incapacitate. That's the word. So this is the, the spirit. The Tower of Spirits is basically the Temple of the Ocean King, but Without, better. It doesn't have the same revisiting mechanic. Right. And there's no timer. I think that that's interesting because they specifically address two of the most common complaints about the Temple of the Ocean King and that you had to retread certain areas of it. And, you know, I like that part, but a lot of people hated it. And the fact that it had the time limit and they said, OK, uh, both those things aren't true anymore. And you'll just go up these stairs and visit different sections of it every time you come back and it'll be a good old time. So if you want a more streamlined experience that still has good, tough puzzle solving, the Spirit Tower is actually really great. Crystal, did I you wanna, like it? Yeah, I, yeah, I like the, the, the Tower of Spirits. I think it's a good evolution of the uh, Temple of the Ocean King. Mm. I want to talk about one of Anjean's lines. Okay. Yes, and it was I who gave it, the Spirit Flute, to your ancestors, but only under the condition that they protect the land for all time. Of course, back then, I didn't think things would take such a perilous turn. <laughs> yes. I'm glad that after all these years, that has found its way into your hands. So Nico is right. The, the Hyruleans were entrusted with the land, I guess, because the Locomo are getting too old. They are definitely uh, becoming less able to fulfill their duties over time. They need replacements, and they can't make more Locomo because when they tried it, Sasuke went evil. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Get it out of your system. I think Burn's the best Sasuke. Of all Sasuke's? Um, he's definitely better than Sasuke. I've never seen Naruto. Okay, well, you don't have to. Um, Is he better than Keith? the Sasuke from Voltron? Keith! Uh, wait, hold on. Why do you know the Sasuke from Voltron? I watched two episodes of Voltron. You should watch more of that. That's a fun show. Yeah, I, I liked it. Okay, well... Um, Keith's a really good character, actually, but I don't think he's actually a Sasuke. Wait, I wasn't talking about Keith. I was talking about the blue one. Lotor? Uh, the one that's blue. The, the hot guy with long white hair? No, not that guy. The, the, the blue, the one who has the blue lion. Oh, Lance? The, oh, Lance. Lance is not. The kind that's of That's a very Sasuke name. Uh, Lance. no, Lance totally isn't the Sasuke. If any, it's Keith. I, you could argue that Lotor is a Sasuke. No. No, Lotor's too hot to be Sasuke. Lotor's too... Good? Yeah. Yeah. And cunning. Cun oh, he's cunning. That's good. Yeah, <coughs> he's good. No, now, like, I, to me, Sasuke is basically synonymous with Blue Ranger. How? 
I don't know. That's just how I again. I've never seen Naruto. Okay. Um, let me think about this for a second. The best way to put it, uh, are you familiar with the red oni blue oni dynamic? Yes. Sasuke's the blue oni to the main character's red oni. Okay. And that he's a very cool, calm personality who's kind of an asshole. Yeah, that's what the Blue Ranger is. That's how you would describe Billy. I I haven't watched a ton of Mighty Morphin. My uh, my most familiar I'm most familiar with Power Rangers, uh, Space Patrol Delta. What what goes on in Space Patrol Delta? What's the Blue Ranger like there? He's he's like he was gonna be the Red Ranger, but then the Red Ranger stole his spot. So even though he's he's like the you know really straight laced following the rules kind of guy, and the Red Ranger is like someone from from the streets. Okay, that's very much a Sasuke that you're describing. Huh. Okay. And um, his name is Sky. Yikes. Yes, Burn is better than Lance. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, Link and Zelda reclimb the tower, and you manage to gather the three tiers of light and smack a phantom, but it doesn't incapacitate it for very long, so the phantom's like, grr. Like, grr, I'm going to get you. And Zelda's like, no, and, and flies into she has her first moment of real courage. Yes. And slams herself into the phantom, and then the phantom turns pink. It turns pink, and there is the the Hyrule crest that appears on her back. Not the wing crest, the Hyrulean crest. Now, it's literally been a decade since I played, so one of you two will have to correct me if I have this wrong. But the way I remember this sequence is that we get a shot from the Phantom's perspective looking down at its own hands, while Zelda's like, what's going on here? And Link is in front of her just freaking out. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, I'm glad I remember. Link looks almost, like, bemused as Zelda is looking at her new phantom body. Yeah, after he gets over the initial terror of, like, oh my god, what's going on? But I imagine that Zelda's just speaking with her, you know, high-pitched girly voice. And she's, all her demeanor in the phantom is, like, Her body language (laughs) is very much the same. She still holds her hands, like, up near her chin in those little bald ex- like bald up fist stressed out anime girl expression yeah and kind of like wavers back and forth it's extremely feminine body language coming out of this 10 foot tall suit of death armor it's pretty good yeah everything that she does being so strongly feminine coded is played for laughs early on but later on it's more of just one of the things that's used to characterize her and I like it a lot more as the game goes on. It's still funny at the start. And so you come to the key me- mechanic of spirit tracks um, in that inside of the Tower of Spirits, Zelda can freely wander around. The other phantoms think that she's a phantom and can chat with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How goes the patrol? Something seems different about you today. And um, you can use this to your benefit. <laughs> I love that there's an implication here that the phantoms seem to have conversations with each other uh-huh. and there's familiarity between them. I love the way this game characterizes the demon tribe. Oh? Yeah, because the phantoms are possessed by evil spirits, yeah, right? I guess so. Yeah. So these these are just like the blue collar demons. The mooks. 
And then Chancellor Cole's like the shitty manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cole's middle management. And the blue collar demons are like, man, sure is hard working today. <laughs> and it, the rules are reversed from before where Link was helping Zelda sneak out and Zelda couldn't be seen. Zelda can be seen. Right. But- Link has to stay discreet. And, you know, all the most of the puzzles, a lot of them are Zelda clears the way for Link to go and sneak on through. Zelda's very strong as a phantom. One of the primary things that she can do is break the environment or certain enemies or walk through hazardous materials such as magma that Link couldn't handle. And she can carry him on the shield later. There's a lot of things. Yeah, she's very cool. You, you get to control Phantom Zelda and the other dungeons too, right? It's not just the Tower of Spirits. It's just the Tower. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The other dungeons are just Link. Oh, that, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's another reason that the Tower of Spirits is very good, because you get to control Zelda. So you get the rail map, the first one. Yep. And then um, this is where you go back to Engine and you use the Spirit Flute and... and um, DS microphone blowing mechanic. Oh boy. And I never had any difficulty doing this, but apparently it was very difficult to coordinate the blowing and the moving of the the pan flute on the screen. What was your experience with the segments like, Crystal? I didn't have any issue with it. Okay. So we're going on the record saying that if you did have issues with it, there's nothing wrong with you and that's fine. Of course not. Yeah, there, no, there's people who... <laughs> Especially, you know, trying to coordinate that. But also, if you start messing up, you start running out of breath really quickly. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of blowing. You go... Yeah, but no, people blow very earnestly, and I I have gotten lightheaded. Oh, you're, you're blowing too hard. Much too hard. Yeah. It's a pretty sensitive little microphone back on the DS Lite. Do we still have our DS Lights, or did we get rid of those when we got our 3DSs? I think we traded them off. Damn it. I really want to play through Spirit Tracks before the next episode. I'm just going to take a second to point out to the two of you that we've been recording for 85 minutes. I know. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. thought we'd get through at least two temples. No. Well, the temples, there's not too much in them. Yeah, thank God. Wow. Yeah, I did make good notes. but. Okay, anyway. Uh, so they get to the rail map together. They They make a nice song, a part of the... Uh, spirit tracks reappears in the forest realm the forest realm is the main realm where hyrule castle and link's town aboda village of course it's called aboda village <laughs> is located and um they ride out to go to the forest sanctuary where um one of the locomo is located but before they go there they they you have to make a stop at whittleton which is a town of lumberjack men oh yeah they're very lonely. Why are they so lonely? They, there's no women. What and women? they can't seek the company of their fellow lumberjacks. What a weird town. Uh, <laughs> mm, I don't... Mm, I think historically we know that things wouldn't turn out that way. No. What do you mean? What happened? I gotta think that it would just be a lot of lumberjacks... Well, okay. The inability to travel means that a lot of them wouldn't be able to do the things they would normally do, which is probably going back and visiting their families and the like. But otherwise, there'd be an awful lot of gay lumberjacks. Um, you head over to the forest sanctuary after stopping in this lumberjack, lumberjack town. town. And there is Gage, a locomo with an afro. 
and he plays the cello to power up the tracks to the temple. Something to mention here too is there are gossip stones here, but they look a little bit funny and they can turn into rocket ships. They look funny how? Google it. <laughs> There's definitely the the eye of the Sheikah. Is there? It's hard to tell. Sort of. Sort of? Well, I guess, guess it's kind of got the really. lashes. I thought they looked kind of like goats or something. I don't know. But they really literally... Because the ones in Phantom Hourglass definitely did not have the Sheikah eye. <laughs> Yeah, they really literally turn into rocket ships, though, and blast off. Well, that's good. I like that. Um, I don't know how much there is more to mention here. So you play a song with Gage. Hopefully you don't run out of breath. And uh, this allows you to tromp on over to the Forest Temple. Now, what's going on in the Forest Temple? Like, what is the Forest Temple, um, narratively speaking? The Forest Temple has... All of these temples, interestingly enough, are almost completely puzzle-based. It's incredible. Oh, it's a yeah. fun game if you like the puzzling puzzling through dungeons. Yeah, one of the reasons that I like Spirit Tracks more than the other handheld Zeldas or the other 2D Zeldas is because its focus on puzzles really feels like puzzles in a way that other Zelda games often don't. It's, it's testing your puzzle-solving ability rather than testing how clever you are at using Zelda logic to approach the environment. One thing I like to examine for each Zelda game and each Zelda temple is whether the temple or dungeon was um, basically a trial or um, place set up to test the hero. Sure. Or if it was like a sanctuary but corrupted. Or if it just doesn't make any sense. Or if it's a bad place for bad people. Well, okay, but there is also the fourth classification, which is mm -hmm. this place doesn't make any sense outside of the fact that it is a video game level. Yeah, but I mean, the original purpose of these temples is that there is a force gem there that will power the spirit tracks and the tower spirits okay so that is what they are they are holding their places for enshrining the force gems yep so they're definitely places of the locomo if we get this director on the next major 3d zelda title will that game also have force gems in it oh absolutely okay do we want that I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not like they take away from anything. It's really funny, though, that these temples are just housing giant force gems. And the first one is green and big, so it kind of just looks like the 100 value force gem that you just get when you hit anything in Four Swords Adventures. Right. It's a bit bigger, so maybe it's like 10,000 or 100,000. It's beefy. In the force temple, you get... Um, a new weapon, and there are a lot of new weapons in this game, but this one is the Whirlwind, which you can blow through the microphone and uh, clear up some dust and evilly dark bits. Right. It lets you send out little whirlwinds, basically. From, yes. From your little, uh, what do they call those things? Pinwheels? Pinwheel, from your little pinwheel. And with this weapon, you can really run out of breath. Oh, yeah, I guess. There's a lot to blow around. You, you just need a little little blow. Yeah. It'd be, it'd, like, you can blow so little that to, like, 
get the DS microphone going that it wouldn't even necessarily register on the mic that we're using now. That's probably not true, but it can be very gentle. Yeah. I remember that I did the same thing, but I learned how to get it going with just air that I could hold in my mouth. Um, the temples in which the Force Gems are held are pretty architecturally diverse. They are. How do you Now, the, the Forest Temple is like a, like a stepped pyramid. Do you think this was built by humans? I think I think it it it, it must have been built by the Locomo or the spirits because they were in place when Maladus was sealed. Why would they use such different styles for each temple? Maybe it's just reflective of the aesthetics of each Locomo, or maybe the spirits of good, each god, had their own preferred architecture. Okay. There's definitely sort of a pyramid mechanic or um, aesthetic, though. The, oh, which one was the desert one? Yeah. It's like a large set pyramid. Right. Who's the boss at the end of the forest temple? Stagnox. Is Stagnox... Colossus Beetle. Is that the one where you see from his perspective at some point because he turns invisible? Please tell me that I didn't just make up this I boss fight. I think you fight. made it up. Oh I my didn't God. see any boss that turns no, invisible. I couldn't have. No. Oh. But that kind of sounds familiar. It. I know it happened. I just don't know when. Listen, listeners, please. One thing, we love getting emails from our listeners and we love getting Twitter messages from our listeners. In fact, you're going to listen to some email readings that we did a week ago uh, as, because I was feeling sick a week ago. I actually still have a little bit of a cold. Anyway, we love it. But you need to send in more lore corrections. And this is one of the ones, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, which boss it is that turns invisible and you see through their eyes to avoid their attacks, please, please write in and tell us which one that is. <laughs> Um, other things to point out here, the boss key and the locks for the boss key in this game, they look like Vati's eye. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Can you pull up What do you think that means? I am not sure what I think about it. I guess it, it's meant, it resembles the one from Phantom Hourglass. Oh, I guess it resembles the one from Wind Waker. Thank you, Gamepedia, for your comprehensive pictures of big keys. Yeah, interestingly enough, the one from the Minish Cap doesn't look like the one here. It still has an eye. Yeah, but I guess anytime there's a, a big eye and a purple background, it kind of looks like Vati to me. It's a horned key with an eye at the center of it. It's basically the same motif. But no, it's just the Wind Waker. Oh. But that 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 does look like the Vati eye symbol. Yeah. So how do you kill this beetle, Crystal? How do you kill this beetle? Yes. Well, you have to run to its backside and then blow on its butt to blow <laughs> its farts away. Oh. And then you hit it in the butt until its far- butt meat. until its farts come back. <laughs> yeah, and then it starts pooping out. Uh, bomb bugs from while it's flying around and you gotta blow them back at it and it's not too hard it's the first boss of the game but um and eventually you you beat it a pedestal comes up it's the symbol of spirits and the triangle is a large force gem hopefully not just worth a hundred force gems sure 
You keep going back to this Four Swords thing, but... It's just like when it popped up for the first time, I'm like, that's it? You think of Force Gems as being currency, first and foremost. Yes. But the Four Swords games are actually in the minor... Wait, no, hold on. Triforce Heroes also had that, didn't it? Did they have Force Gems or was it Rupees? No, it's Rupees. Okay. So the Four Swords games are actually in the minority with regards to the role of Force Gems at this point. Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks both have them as these huge magical world changing things they are coalescence of power yeah and i guess it's it's the energy that's in every it's the sacredness that is in every person sure that was from phantom hourglass it sure was okay um i could i i'd buy a coca-cola with the sacred essence of a human being (laughs) yeah okay i buy that I, i would try it out but if you consume that stuff no, no, she's not saying, like, a Coca-Cola made with Force Gems. She's saying she would trade Force Gems for a Coca-Cola. Oh, okay. Like, how much is how much is one one unit of Force Gem? Um, how, does that correspond to, like, a person's ability to interpret Zelda lore? <laughs> it, I, is, it is I, exactly two centimeters of Spirit Tracks track. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was, uh... Huh. Uh, mm, maybe a single unit of Force Gem is like a lifetime of experience for one living thing. And over time, Force Gems are, they grow over time as their experience is accumulated. And why does okay. Zelda have so many? Anyway, Force Gems don't fit very easily into late capitalism. Whose Force Gems are the Spirit Tracks Force Gems? The gods. Okay. Oh, maybe the spirits, those are the spirits, is force. Yeah, literally. That's what I'm saying. The gods. This, so there were four. These are ish. the equivalent to the Triforce artifacts left behind by the spirits of good. I was thinking it'd be interesting if they laid down their lives. Oh, like they became the force gems. Yes. They did not return to the heavens, as Nico believes. They just dead. To protect well, no, the No, they're alive. They're right there. There's just a force gem. <laughs> like when you turn into Magicite in Final Fantasy VI. You're still there. You can have conversations with your daughter, but uh, you're a rock. I don't really know if this is a good point to discuss it, but I don't know if where else it will come up. Um, you get a whole bunch of treasures collectibles in this game, and there are a few that are kind of interesting. There are star fragments, which look like the star fragments in Breath of the Wild, but they're bluey purple. Yeah. Um, there are Ruto crowns, which are um, possessions of Zora princesses. I think you search for treasure. Yeah. There are demon fossils, which there's a remark saying that they may seem rare, but they're actually uh, just scattered all over the place. Um, fossils of ancient demons. So there's a big murder. And um, there are ancient gold pieces, which have a Triforce on it. Oh. Yeah. Where did those come from? (laughs) Where did those come from? Did Tetra bring them over? It doesn't seem very likely. Why not? Because by the time of Tetra, Hyrule was using rupees. Oh, (laughs) that makes sense. If these are genuinely ancient gold pieces, they are evidence of... Wait a second. All of these are evidence of past civilizations. That were just Hyruleans the, and Gorons. This is evidence that whatever was here was destroyed 
when Maladus was put away. This is a big part of why I assumed that. There's all this... Oh, these are archaeological are forerunners. These are all archaeological artifacts that suggest that the kingdom they settle in may actually be a different Hyrule. Or Before at least, the flood. Or not even Hyrule at that. It doesn't have to be Hyrule, but it is a place where these same peoples lived. Yeah, before the flood. Not just before the flood, before Maladus, because this place wasn't touched by the flood. Right. You can find a Ruto crown. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I brought up this segment. You can find... Yeah, what... Ancient Hyrule lived here? No, they. it wasn't Hyrule. This is just like the same peoples who live in Hyrule also live here. It a different, might have been a part of Hyrule. It could have been a province at some point, like a distant province, but it also wouldn't even have to be that, especially, let me, uh, I mean, if you look it back far enough, it could be that maybe this is where the original people of Hyrule came from. Like, there aren't any Zoras present in Skyward Sword. Mm-hmm. Or this game. Or this game. But there is evidence that Zora used to live on this land. Because of the Rudo crowns. Before Maladus was defeated. This is the civilization that existed before Demise showed up. Yes. I'm suggesting that the Zora from this land fled, and probably so did several of the other peoples. Maybe this is even where Hyrulean Gorons came from. Fled when maladus went to war with the spirits of good and ended up settling in hyrule so that would have happened sometime between the very end of skyward sword and the beginning of ocarina of time because huh. the humans did not die in the war hylia called them away to be gathered on a big chunk of land that she sent into the sky though she could only say very few compared to how many there actually were yes so yeah i think that this is a lost civilization that was destroyed during the war with the demons, or the war with the interlopers, if you prefer. Neat. Good job, team. We did it. Yeah, we tied, <laughs> we're tied. we tying it all together again. Um, yeah, Minda's people actually have a lot of blood on their hands. It's in the past. Yeah, it's super in the past. I know, but like, it's still there. Weird. I didn't expect that that's where this episode was going to go. What a twist. Okay, how? Okay, we're about 100 minutes in now. Mm -hmm. The listeners will notice that the timestamp does not reflect that. That's fine. That's just because I tend to cut out silences. Um, so we did that. We it, Getting this force gem creates a stabilizing uh, power on the Tower of the Spirits that makes another segment of it go back down, right? Yes. And then you get to climb the stairs higher. Yep. Tower visit number two. Tower visit number two, you run around with Zelda, which is, again, the best part of the game. Uh, there is lava in this section of the tower, and this is the mechanic where uh, Zelda can just walk through the lava, and Link, if he's coming from a higher place, can jump on her shield. Um, and you can also use this to traverse the lava, but also use it to fight um, these mini-blin who are riding these giant armos. I do want to point out here that Zelda in... This sequence, or possibly a later one, indicates that she can experience sensation, especially temperature, when she complains about how hot it is. Or stuffy or so on. Something like that. 
But then she runs around in lava and mentions that she doesn't actually feel it, which suggests that she can experience sensation, but it's based more on her expectations than it is on senses as we would experience them in physical bodies. It's psychosomatic. Yes. Yeah. Though psychosomatic also implies that it's reflected in your physical body. We don't have the framework necessary to understand how Zelda feels things. There's constant jokes about her being a ghost and being afraid that there might be ghosts around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The bugs might affect her and so on. And it's like, no, the the bugs fly through you. Although she'd probably be very disturbed by that too. I would be. Oh. What? I thought being. I don't like bugs. Okay, well, I thought being a ghost would solve most of these problems. And apparently not. Oh, we're changing our weekend plans. <laughs> um, uh, nothing too much to remark here, at least not for me. Um, you get a new piece of the rail map. It leads you to the the snow realm. The snow realm is where. Aren't there Anuki over here? Actually. Yes. Yes, there are. What? How did the Anuki get here? They... Same way Linebeck did. Yeah. They just kept crossed over as part of the like. Did, did the Ocean King just be like, all right, y'all go on. Here's they the They wanted door. to resettle. I, I can't remember for sure, but some parts of the Gamepedia wiki mentioned that the Anuki and the Yuke, like the, uh, the Anuki couldn't stay there forever. Oh, really? I didn't source this all the way through. Oh. But hey, now the Anuki are here and you have a new um, brain teaser puzzle to go through with them. Oh, no. I love it. Okay, what is it? Um... Conditions have worsened so bad around here. There's terrible blizzards and terrible monsters um, that have raided the village. But the Anuki can team up and drive the monsters off. And they're going to work in pairs. But everybody is very, very picky about their partner. And tells Link the specifics. Like, I don't want to work with anybody who has horns. Or a big beard. Or small horns. Or... Wearing yellow. The only thing that should be yellow is a banana. Anuki culture is very appearance-based. Yeah. It seems to me that the Anuki were, in fact, not indigenous to the world of the Ocean King, but the Ocean King let them live there, let them crash there for a while, and eventually he was like, okay, you gotta go. (laughs) Are you suggesting that they may actually be indigenous to the land that they're living on as of Spiritrax? I don't think so, because everyone died or left. Well, maybe they fled to the world of the Ocean King. Okay, and from their perspective, they were there like a hundred years. Sure, or much longer, I guess. No, okay, that doesn't work because of the time problems. I don't know, Crystal, I ain't got good answers to this. No, I, I think I like the idea of the Anuki are refugees from this land, and they were taken in by the Ocean King, and the Ocean King let them live on in Yuke territory. Mm. Then the Yukes didn't really like that, so then there was some conflict, but then they had a treaty. But then eventually the Ocean King told them that their homeland is habitable again, so they should go back. Oh, and this is the part where I realize my theory about the Anuki is that they're supposed to be like little like Yakuza gang members oh yeah yeah because um they all say like guy and you know pal and ancient and so on so they've kind of made it like a gangster sort of talk yeah and 
Anuki, I think, kind of sounds like Aniki. Yeah, it does sound like, like Aniki. older brother. What Yakuza apparently call their um, what they call their senpais, their seniors. Okay. Yeah, so that's what I think the Anuki are. Okay, so they're, they're mobsters. They're mobster stereotypes. Yes, that's a very silly thing for these characters to be. The cute little penguins with horns. They're not penguins. They've got little penguin hands. They're reindeer. They got seal the, hands. They're penguin. They're like reindeer. they're like they're like walruses. Basically walruses. <laughs> the Japanese name for Anuki is Yuki Waroshi. Huh. Uh-huh. Does that mean anything to y'all? Yuki is snow. Okay. Waru. No, I got nothing. Uh, you want another French name? Yes, please. Les Oh, dear. Oh, good. Wow. Okay. They really ran with that one, didn't they? Jesus. God, hell, Christ. Um... It's worth mentioning here in the snow realm that you can see the Tower of Spirits in the distance, the floaty bits. Ah. It's really cool. As you travel around um, this kingdom, you see a lot in the distance. There's this sense that you're traveling around this really wide but still connected space. Yep. Which is not an effect that they managed to achieve in Phantom Hourglass or even in Wind Waker for great parts of it. Yeah. Because every island is on its own square. Tell me about this second locomo that you meet. What's his name? Steam. Steam. Okay. And he has a biwa, which is a traditional Japanese stringed instrument. Oh, okay. That's cool. And then you go... Oh, into- maybe instead of waroshi, it's meant to be warashi, so it's snow kids. Oh. Oh. Is that also from the Gamepedia? No, this is through me googling waroshi meaning Google. Did you mean warashi? <laughs> and it's like possibly. And then you go into the snow temple. Who's the boss of the snow temple? Hold on. Okay. You're okay. skipping around. Shit! Come on. But you have to go through and do further things. I think. Oh right, you need to meet a train otaku named Ferris to identify the old tracks that will lead you through the blizzard to get to the snow temple their name is ferris like iron yes he's dressed like an engineer but he doesn't engineer right he takes photos of trains and you actually find him at one point i think maybe here um by seeing which parts of the tracks he's going to be by and then he's at one of the locations standing beside the tracks taking photos. Oh, that's cute. It is. But he wants to take it of the, the death trains. Oh, that's dangerous. Yeah. He thinks your train is really cool, though. Oh, we didn't even mention We didn't even talk about the spirit train. Oh, my God. Crystal, you have to tell us about how we got the spirit train way back when, an hour ago. I don't remember how we got the spirit train. It's right when you're leaving the spirit tower after creating the spirit tracks in the forest realm, if I remember. Yes. Uh, I'm blanking. Okay. I think that the way it works is that Anjing goes, um, well, your train blew up. Here is a train that was left behind by the spirits of good for just such an occasion. It was stone, but now it's a train. Stone, a regular train. Yeah. The spirit train. And then you ride off in the spirit train. Choo-choo. That's basically all there is. But we forgot to mention the most essential element of the Oops. entire plot, which is uh, the spirit train that you ride across the spirit tracks. A lot of the words spirit in this game. Yes. The snow temple is really pretty. There are a lot of bells around, big ones and small ones, and instructions for hitting the bells. And while you can do that with your sword at one point, um, because you need to hit several and on different tiers... 
you need to get the boomerang, which you can direct around with your stylus. Just like in Phantom Hourglass. It's so good. Yeah. I love the boss fight in this one. You fight like a little a little Batman named Phrase. Oh, that asshole. The master of icy fire. And he's he ha- he's like Twin Rova and that he shoots both ice and fire. And you gotta uh, draw the boomerang path such that it absorbs the opposing element and then you hit him with it. Yeah. Listeners who have gone to the Symphony of the Goddesses uh, orchestral concert for Zelda music will note that phrase is often used in the, uh, I believe it's the boss theme medley. Yeah, it's a good theme. It is. You know, I was calling him Fraz for the longest time, but Phrase makes a lot more sense because Blaze and Freeze. Huh. So thank you, Crystal. <laughs> Did we mention why we're restoring the spirit tracks? We need to. Yeah, but why? We They're need holding Maladus down. It was in the prologue. <laughs> Big importance. Yes, but we kind of, we kind of, uh, for taking so long to get through these parts, we kind of skipped over a lot of the conversation with Angie. Okay. So to go over it, Again, for our listeners who maybe didn't pick up on the subtext from the prologue, which we spent uh, about five hours talking about how silly it was. The thing is that the spirit tracks, the train tracks that you use to get around the overworld in the game spirit tracks, are also the shackles placed by the old gods of this land that are holding down the demon king. The assumption being that if the spirit tracks are not restored, then the demon king will be free and the world will end. I don't... They're... they're... Describing them as shackles is fine, but I like to think of it in a sense that the temples are batteries and the spirit tracks are the cables that run the batteries, um, electricity over to the actual lock or seal, the electronic lock. Which is? Which is the Tower of Spirits. So the Tower of Spirits is the one thing that's actually keeping Maladus sealed. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen the film the disney animated film hercules yes yeah yes. do you know that the titan prison in that movie the one that's got it's just like zeus's lightning and as like a cross hatch pattern yeah i always thought maladis the image in the prologue of maladis being imprisoned looked kind of like that huh i'll have to look that up later i don't remember it anymore well you never liked that movie very much no it's the best movie <laughs> Is it the best Disney movie? It's the best one. I like the song, I Can Go the Distance. I really like the song, uh, pretty much all of them. Zero to Hero? Zero to Hero. I like Michael Bolton's performance of I Can Go the Distance. (laughs) Zero to Hero is very strong. Uh, Who was it that played Megara in that movie? Uh, Susan Egan, who you may also know as the voice of Rose Quartz from... Steven Universe. Suddenly this makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's why during What Can I Do For You, I was like, why does this have such a nostalgic sound? That's what... Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked her song in Hercules, too. That shit was real good. I'm Not Falling In Love? Yeah. It was, it's a good song. It's a good song. Like everything in that movie. That movie did have almost universally good songs. And a good... Like, the whole conceit of... We're going to make a Hercules movie, and it's going to be, like, also a Rocky movie, and also a <laughs> Superman movie. And we're just going to, like, change a bit of things so Zeus and Hera are happily married, and Hercules <laughs> is totally 
their kid. Zeus is a completely faithful husband <laughs> who has never done any horrible sex things to anyone. Well, no, it is not an accurate adaptation <laughs> and, and of Megara Greek mythology. And totally survives. Yeah, Megara but... does live through the movie. <laughs> How did Hercules? Look, how did Heracles kill her in the mythology? Didn't Hera, um, Athena? No, not Athena. Hera tricked Hercules into killing her. Yeah, somehow. And the kids, like Kratos. It is almost exactly like Kratos. It in triggers fact, the ten labors, twelve labors. In fact, Kratos was probably inspired by that specific thing, except it's much worse because Kratos doesn't actually do any labors to try to rid himself of his guilt or those were the labors that was god of war kratos no have you ever played god of war 3 yes i recently watched god of war 3 for the first time oh no uh he has a daughter in that he a daughter figure in that game yeah calliope they're they already did the thing yes they did they just did it again. Yeah, they they his original daughter figure is Calliope, and in this one it's uh, Pandora. Yeah, they just you can't you can't no you're you're it's not that they did the thing and then they did it again. You're forgetting you're forgetting that first he kills Calliope because Ares does the thing, and then he goes through all of Hades, down into Tartarus, and becomes worthy of walking in the Elysian fields by giving up everything evil within himself so that he can be with Calliope because she's such a good spirit. And then he has to leave Calliope behind so that he can go save the world from Atlas. So he loses Calliope a second time. And that's before the first game where he murders Ares for murdering Calliope. And then in God of War 3, he finds Pandora, who looks and sounds exactly like Calliope, and he really loves this kid. And then in the end, doesn't he have to kill Pandora with his own hands? Yeah. He throws her into Prometheus's flame or some shit. And then he has Everything a boy and everything's about okay. God... Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. You go ahead. Everything about God of War 2018 really depends on you having very vague hazy memories of what god of war was yeah but this time he has a boy and it's okay <laughs> there are no 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 girls in god of war 2018 no except girls. except for that one watch out for her she's she's the bad kind of girl the kind of girl who keeps boys from growing up because that's what women do they're either absent you know what we're not here to talk about god of war 2018 <laughs> let's talk about god of war <laughs> and the very good 1997 film hercules with its very 90s references and mentality. Yeah, boy. Uh, Philoctetes is one of the all-time 90s characters. Uh, the Wikipedia uh, intro to the Wikipedia entry for Hercules, the final paragraph, the first paragraph has the final sentence. The film also featured the first positive portrayal of an African-American woman in a Disney animated film. Really? <laughs> Hold on. This is Hercules? Hercules. Who in Hercules? Claims. Who? It is not a sourced statement. It is a sentence. Who in Hercules can be described as African American? <laughs> no, nobody. Literally no one. I mean, are th the muses have American accents. The muses have American accents, and they are black-coated. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. But they are not african-american characters they are greek <laughs> I... they are dark-skinned and i you know what 
I don't want to engage with this no more. I'm disengaging. Somebody. The hit- only other thing I have to say about Hercules is that everyone should listen to the Japanese voice actor uh, for Hades in Kingdom Hearts, who is not James Woods, but sounds exactly like James Woods doing speaking flawless Japanese. Oh, yeah. I've actually heard that. He sounds creepily like James Woods. Nice. They just found James Woods, but like James Woods' Japanese doppelganger, which is good because then you get all the pleasure of James Woods' goofy delivery without going like, oh, wait, this is James Woods. Okay. Kyusaku Shimada is the name of the voice actor. We got to the end of the second spirit thing, right? Good job. Yes, we did. (laughs) We're going to call that the halfway point of this game. Yay. Now... We are going to transition into a recording of some email readings that we did a week ago, and that's going to happen now. Cameron, where can people send us questions? You can send questions to our email at bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That's bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Now, which one should we take first? Okay, um, just so our listeners aren't confused in case the recording quality shifts between now and 30 seconds ago, uh, we're actually recording this email segment ahead of time because I'm feeling shitty and the recording we were supposed to make today was going to be a lot longer, but now it's not, so we're just doing emails and I'll stick it on to the end of the Spirit Tracks episode later. So um, I guess we'll start with uh, Shakal Draconis's. Sorry, which one? Shakal Draconis's. Are we coming through okay? Is this is, okay. is the connection all right? You're, you're kind of cutting in and out. Shit. That's not good. Okay. Um, it might be on my end because I had this with Luke the other night as well. Okay. Well, I guess if you wanted, we could uh, back out and I could reset my computer just to be sure. No, I can still mostly understand you. It's just that sometimes words drop. Mostly is good. I... Mm. <laughs> I don't know if mostly is good enough. It was like this when we were record when we were talking last time too. Was it? Yeah, right at the end. Crystal may not know what we're saying right now. Actually, no, I can is- hear you right now. Oh, okay. So um, I'll get started on reading this email from Shakal. Hello, Cameron, Crystal, and Monica. First thought: What if the golden goddesses never actually existed? In this idea, someone finds or makes the Triforce and wishes for the Triforce to create a world for itself. The names Din, Nehru, and Faror would then really more appropriately apply to the individual Triforce pieces themselves. The ancients discovered how powerful the Triforce was, and so envisioned and made up a goddess for each of the separate parts. But specifically for this idea, there were never separate golden goddess entities that created the world and then left the Triforce. But the Triforce itself did the creating around itself without any greater input or guiding hand than create a world. Or maybe even as we know the Triforce is sentient, it was able to create the world of its own volition, so that there would then be mortals able to make use of it. If we can hand wave away the goddesses came from elsewhere, it can't be explained. Why not save a step and have the Triforce be the thing with no origin? I think that we're pretty close to having this conclusion on the podcast in the first place. Right, it's like No Man's Sky. What's... What? No Man's Sky? No man. They added a story to No Man's Sky, and it's good. Yeah, it's it's kind of like this. There's, you remember the like uh, the black diamond thingy with the red beating heart inside it? Yeah, that's a cool image. Yeah, I mean that's that's God, uh, and it's a supercomputer, much like the Triforce. Oh, 
but it, it was abandoned by its creators and also it's dying and it will die in the next 16 minutes what and everything you're experiencing is the last 16 minutes of its life as the walls between worlds collapse as it is no longer able to sustain them but we're experiencing it in like a compressed time or something yes okay hmm. that actually sounds 16 like... minutes is in the real world and you're oh. in a, a, a simulated universe oh, okay so no man's sky is a video game that takes place in its own fiction within a simulated universe that that is correct yes that's actually pretty cool but yeah, the, yeah. The, the, it created the travelers that it might know itself because it doesn't want to be alone anymore. Is Destiny related to No Man's Sky? No. It has a traveler. It's not the traveler. The traveler is different. Crystal? Why is one why oh. is one traveler not the other traveler? Well, the traveler of Destiny is different because the purpose of uh the traveler is to is to create light to fight the darkness. That's the stupidest Kingdom Hearts sounding shit that I've heard in a week. And I just well, saw those screenshots yeah, that explained the, how you lied to me about what a Heartless is. I didn't lie to you. The game Leon, Squall Leonhart is wrong. Squall Leon has never been wrong about anything. He's been wrong about a lot, actually. Not anything ever, because that's not Squall Lionheart. That's a different guy. I, I think his name is Let me Leonhardt. see if I can pull up some of the logs from no man's sky oh boy there's some real good uh there's some there's some good it's a good you should play no man's sky i've thought it's good now they made it well it was good in the first place but you know i've thought about picking it up ever since they did all that changing to it because the new game that no man's sky is now does sound very it does because that that seems like the kind of thing that we could play for hours and hours and hours that's dangerous um while you're getting these logs i'm going to read the second half of the email Second thought, however the world was made and the Triforce left in it, what if Hylia didn't actually receive the Triforce from the hands of the Golden Goddesses themselves, but instead found or even stole the Triforce, justifying that this must be what the creators wished so that she could improve the station of her people? As an aside by me, Cameron, this is basically turning into an email about what Crystal already thinks. (laughs) In this idea, I would propose that the Demon Tribe were actually the first to find the Triforce, or at least got it before Hylia did, and she stole the Triforce and wished herself a goddess in order to improve the lives of her own people. Consider that among all the stories and legends and myths we get, and even when playing the games, we only ever see this war from one side, which of course considers the preservation of their way of life to be the right and just cause. But in Breath of the Wild, we can see that Ganon's minions aren't mindless monsters like the Keese and Choo-Choo's. These are intelligent, sentient creatures that form their own bands, tell one another jokes, have language, even express shock and outrage when their weapons are stolen, demonstrating both an understanding and an expectation of some rules about combat. So maybe Demise got to be the Demon King by wishing himself that power on the Triforce, and when his people mistreated the Hylians, or at least weren't treating them well enough for Hylia, she stole the Triforce, made herself a goddess, and in the process launched the eternal struggle between these two sides. And should we consider Hylia reincarnated through Skyward Sword Zelda a better witness to her own past and motivations than Wind Waker Ganon, At least Ganon only had one life instead of memories, with two lives and minds coming together, one that literally worshipped the other. How much could Zelda or Hylia be self-justifying her own possession of the Triforce? So in this scenario, Hylia basically created a memento situation. (laughs) Don't trust Hylia's lies? Um, No, don't trust anyone else or something like that. Oh, okay. I can't remember the tagline for that movie. I'm... 
is it ever directly stated in the text anywhere that the goddesses created the Triforce? Or is it more a byproduct? In the Ocarina of Time version of the backstory, it is said to be a byproduct of their passing out of the world. In, Hmm. I believe, the Link to the Past version of the backstory, not in-game, but rather in the manual, I believe it is said that they invest a very small part of their power into the Triforce and leave it behind Uh, as a sign of their provenance. The text I'm reading here is a small but powerful portion of the essence of the gods was held in this mighty artifact. They're using passive language there, carefully avoiding attributing any... Uh, intention onto the goddesses is that from link to the past yeah that's the text of the english link to the past manual i don't know that there's any consistency with regards to this the history of the triforce is almost wholly mysterious we know in skyward sword that uh, the gods can't wield the triforce so it would be a bit peculiar that one would wish oneself into a goddess who can't use who can't it. use the triforce and then do a very long scheme to make oneself back into a mortal so that she can demise made the much better wish in this theoretical scenario where he's like i want to be as tough as a god but also i still want to be able to wish on the triforce yeah i do like demise is a demon yeah you can be a demon god that's not the same thing as a god what defines a god in the zelda setting not being able to use the Triforce. <laughs> ah, that's true. That's that's a strong... That's actually the only hard test. Yeah, that's the one test that we have. Huh. But I, I, I want to be very careful not to ascribe any attention, intention rather, let me enunciate, onto the goddesses unless it is uh, explicitly stated. Uh. And with that in mind, it is difficult for me to believe that they gave the triforce to Hylia. Hmm. so the fact that it is said in skyward sword that Hylia was entrusted with it would be at best pro highly a propaganda i can believe that she believes she was entrusted by it much in the way that George W. Bush believes he needed to invade Iraq because God told him to. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Wow. Poor Hylia, what did she do? <laughs> Crystal's a very strong anti-monarchist, even anti-fantasy monarchist, so she's a step beyond you and I. Mm-hmm. Well, I would be surprised if the games went this way. I'm pretty sure they, they will not. <laughs> no, they'll never address this, I don't think. But I think it would make an interesting fanfic. Uh, but we, 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 I think it is not e- even contradictory of the text to say that the goddesses are personifications of the Triforce. Yeah, I could see that. They're so far removed from the world as it is that you might as well consider them that. The Triforce has will of its own and acts according to rules which are inscrutable to mortals and also to us who exist outside of the fucking story. They're effectively gods in any case. So the Triforce is a computer? No. (laughs) Computers are much more screwed. Ah, never mind. Yeah, it's a computer. With microchips. Yeah, it's microchips. Like the first Zelda. Yeah, it's microchips because the world of the legend of zelda is a simulation the triforce wants to know why it was abandoned why it has to face this moment alone it wants to know why i left it behind 
What 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 entry is this from the No Man's Sky? This is from the rogue data that I linked in the Skype chat. Oh, hold on. God, Skype's interface is so bad now. Yeah, they made it bit micro dollar sign off. <laughs> they made it bad. Poor computer. Monica always feels bad for computers that have to run simulations to explain their own deaths. Any, or sad houses. Sad houses. Anything that isn't real or doesn't have sentience and then is able to think and then get sad or reflective just pulls right at her heartstrings. Yes. She's getting sad right now as I'm looking at her. It's an amazing transformation. The story they added to No Man's Sky is very meta because there's there's a character called Null who's like... It, it's not fair that I'm mortal, so I'm going to become immortal and explore all of the star systems and the planets of the universe, even though you say it's impossible for me to do it. And then they did it, and then the Atlas was like, okay, fine, I'm going to make a multiverse with an infinite amount of you, and you'll never be able to interact with them. So are we Null, the player? You're a traveler. There's one traveler per universe who exists to explore that universe. Oh, they, this explains the single player. They have multiplayer now, though, don't they? Yeah, that's because at, at 10 minutes to the Atlas's death, the walls between worlds will uh, fall. Oh, that's pretty cool. But the, the travelers are all extremely lonely, and the greatest thing they want is to be able to meet another traveler. That sounds like a very meta take on how the fan reaction to No Man's Sky has been going. It's very good. Huh. Well, no, we should play No Man's Sky at some point. Is yes. The, is the PC version good? I, I can't speak as, as to the PC version. I know that the PlayStation 4 version is good. Okay, that's cool then. Crystal, could you read this next email from Leah? Okay. This comes from Leah. While I don't have a question to ask as of right now, I just wanted to say that I'm incredibly happy that this podcast exists, and I've been binging it since I discovered it. Aww. I found the podcast at the start of July. It is July 9th at the sending of this email, and I've just finished the Majora's Mask episodes. I grew up lurking in the Zelda forums, discovering places like Zelda Universe in 2000, and always being too shy and hesitant to post. However, the lore of the series and thinking about the timeline was always fascinating to me. This podcast is basically me living out the forum conversations I wanted to have with people, but without all the toxicity of the internet. I'm excited to continue making my way through the backlog, and I can't wait to catch up. Hopefully I can make it to a current episode in time, so I can send in some emails. The series holds a special place in my life. And it's fun to hear people talk about it with a passion I know firsthand. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Leah. Yeah, thank you. What Leah. a sweet email. That's very nice. We appreciate that. Also, maybe that should be our tagline: forum conversations without the toxicity of the internet. <laughs> uh, that, I feel like that might be giving us a little too much credit. <laughs> no, come on. Just because you're the queen of being online and I'm an unapologetic shitlord doesn't mean we can't lie to people. I wonder how big a subset of our listeners are either um, lurkers or posters in that specific generation. And that same mold from which you and I grew. Yes. I and think Crystal. I think probably quite a lot. Yeah. At yes, some point we should probably, probably do all. <laughs> probably all of them. Yeah. I think there may be some who weren't using the internet during that time 
and we're only aware of you know the internet as a, a Tumblr and Twitter verse. Mm. That would be interesting. Oh <laughs> man, that's I don't want to think about that. Why not? There are people that are younger than me who have a very different conception of the internet, which I am not privy to understanding. Yeah. yeah. Bulletin boards are a completely foreign concept to them. Even the idea of like role playing, it would be within the means of Twitter or <laughs> Tumblr. Or Tumblr, yeah. T- Tumblr role playing, which is it, like, I guess you could get it going through private messages and it would work like most other platforms, but role playing in Tumblr comments has to be a fucking nightmare. Man. have web rings. Oh, web rings. I think web rings were starting to die even back in like 1996 when I first got on the internet. It lasted in Japan a lot longer uh, for browsing the Japanese oh, fan arts. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it totally did, didn't it? Oh, man. Back on that, that's a real way back right there. Oh, my God. Yeah, they had web rings until like only 10 years ago, didn't they? Something like that. I definitely remember web rings. Yeah, web rings were cool. Bulletin boards were cool. I remember those. Do you remember when role-playing was all done through, like, AIM and MSN Messenger and ICQ? I do remember that. That was good stuff. It was a brave... They have Discord now. <laughs> yeah, I guess Discord would be the way to do it now. Is Discord the replacement for AIM? Yes. Okay. I can accept that. That's fine. I miss AIM sometimes. Not really. I miss the sound effects. MSN Messenger was my AIM. ICQ is mine. Ooh. But we talked to each other on AIM. Yeah, but I used ICQ first. Oh, uh, okay. My mom used ICQ. We. It was for old people. I I was not old at the time. Yeah, old at heart. It was Canada. Yeah, I know. An, an old country. Uh. On to oh. Sky. Yeah, you read the Sky email, Monica. Okay. Hey, all. I've been enjoying the show, and I'd like to ask a few questions about Zelda lore. Why do you think some links are worthy of the Triforce and the Master Sword as young boys if the Hero of Time needed to grow up to be worthy? Do you guys think it's backwards that the bird character is an Earth Sage and the Earth Spirit is a Wind Sage? It bugs me. Keep up with the good work. Wow. <laughs> These are some good... Uh, These are some good questions. Yeah, especially from the Wind Waker perspective. What's your take on these, Crystal? I think uh, as of the time of the Ocarina of Time... They had not yet, because the Hero of Time was the first child link. Do, do we dispute this? We're both making faces where we're tr- thinking really hard about it, because they kind of portray Link in the original Ye- Legend of Zelda as being a young teenager at most. I think he was a, yeah, no, a young I mean, boy. I mean, chronologically, in universe. Oh, yes. Helia's chosen hero was a grown man. Yes. Yeah, okay, sure. So at that time, they had not yet considered the idea that sometimes the Master Sword needs to be small. Ah. Nobody... After him, yeah, they made the Master Sword small. I see. (laughs) So nobody had told Rauru that sometimes we don't have time to wait around. Yeah. I think that's that's a fair um, way to picture it, because with the backstory of Wind Waker, like, it was truly a fuck-up. Yeah, it was real bad. Everything went really, really bad because there was no available link. And they just waited. And then eventually they're like, hey, you know, a kid's good enough. A kid is good enough. A kid that just wants to save his sister. So does the Master... Like, you talk about making the Master Sword small. In-universe, what do you think the explanation is there? They cast a spell to make it uh, change size as befits the wielder. 
you don't think that it's simpler just to say that like the master sword sentience allows it to fit whoever's hand reaches for it no because you can see it it has a model that you can look at i see who cast the spell then raru <laughs> of course it was <laughs> i don't know why big strong <laughs> And masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know who else. Fee changed herself. I don't see why not. I was going to say that the other, the child links were very super deformed size, and so they can wield a very, you know, the same size master sword as an adult. Link. So they just got like these three foot tall heads. Yes. No. Uh, I mean, like, right? They're just themselves in this super deformed shape. And they can coincidentally carry a huge, you know, adult-sized sword. I see. Like they carry the huge hammers. Proportionally, they have a greater surface area of (laughs) muscle fibers, like like an ant. (laughs) Yes. Yes, much like an ant. I think that my favorite running joke on this podcast is the push and pull between how much I hate Raru versus how important Raru is in every aspect of the entire universe. <laughs> Jesus Like, why, why wouldn't Fee have changed herself to fit uh, the hero of time? I, I, mm, Raru told her not to. <laughs> okay. I got, but I, young Link is worthy of the Triforce. Absolutely. Yes. He has it as a young man. Yeah, 100%. And he proves by gathering up the spiritual stones that he's also worthy of the Master Sword. So maybe Raru actually sabotaged the situation, and then he learned better. Like, we know that Link, as an adult, carries a sword that's larger to scale with him than the Master Sword would be to Child Link. Right, so what I'm saying is... The first time with the first kid Link that tries to touch Raru. the Master Sword. So, so you're saying it's not the Master Sword that put Link to sleep, it was Raru. Yes, Raru was like, nope, too young, seals him up for seven years and goes, oh, that was a bad idea. That motherfucker. <laughs> it was too late, though. We could have stopped everything if it hadn't been for that bearded piece of shit. Oh. Thoughts, Crystal? What, what, what was Link's body doing in the Sacred Realm for seven years? Lying there. Was oh. he in, like, cryosleep or did he get 13 going on 30? Um, we, I haven't seen 13 going on 30. What I mean to say, well, in 13 going on 30, uh, Jennifer Garner's 13-year-old mind is transferred into her 30-year-old body. Uh, but, like, she she was still doing things for those 17 years. She still has a history. She just can't remember it. Uh, oh. No, I think Link was definitely... Like, was Link training for those years? <laughs> no. No, he was, he was asleep and Raru's spoon-feeding the whole time. And then getting his ears pierced. Okay. Measuring him for that new tunic. Like, if I woke up and I had aged some and I was wearing new clothes, it's like, okay, this makes sense. They had to fit me for new clothes because I'm not 10 anymore. But if they pierced my fucking ears while I was asleep, I would have questions. I don't know why, but that's but the if the part- piercing gives you the strength to wield the Master Sword. Then <laughs> couldn't they have done that when I was 10? Kids too young to consent no, but to ear it, piercing. What? They did it while I was <laughs> <Right>. asleep. <laughs> Maybe Link's ears were already pierced. He just wasn't wearing earrings. <laughs> oh, okay. So Raru just found the place where, like, I'm now imagining that there's this one time that all the Kukiri get together with just like a hammer and a nail and oh, no. pierce their own ears, and all of them take it fine, except for Link, who's a Hylian, so he just bleeds like fucking crazy. 
This has gotten stranger. This is the beginning of why Link is an outcast in the village. So like, why is it so important for Link to to grow up? Um, to create a sense of progression for the player. Okay. Assuming that most of the players were youngish, it must be really cool being, you know, a grown-up. Hell yeah. I was like Kid Link's age when I played Ocarina of Time, so shifting over into a 17-year-old was like a really specific power fantasy. Hmm. It was very cool. The time skip was very nice. It was, yeah. I think the big thing is that it shows progression in the world. It allows you to see the it allows them to play with the setting and reuse a lot of environments while also changing the player experience significantly. Is it textual that Raru is the one who made the call to have him be asleep? No. No. I think that it's actually textual that the Master Sword did it. I okay. think it's spoke spoken of just in a general third person sense. It's like you were put to sleep. Yeah. Uh. Or you haven't you weren't worthy or you weren't ready yet ready yeah something like that but it's not clear however you were too young to be the hero of time therefore your spirit was sealed here for seven years and now that you are old enough the time has come for you to awaken as the hero of time i'm gonna say that raru's to blame jesus (laughs) it's all coming together now because back in the ocarina of time episode i think that crystal and i concluded that the master sword did it Hmm. but Raru doing it actually makes more sense. Monica's here to disrupt it. Yeah, this is the big... (laughs) Disrupt the timeline. This is the blue ocean of Zelda timeline theories. But as to the second question, do we think it's backwards that the bird is an earth sage and the earth spirit is the wind sage? Yes, that's very backwards, but I think it's also on purpose. Are Koroks really wind spirits? Well, no, they're earth spirits. Yeah, they're earth spirits, I think. Um, They're basically made of wood. They're spirits of the forest. That's that's an earth spirity kind of aesthetic. I get this. But the Rito have the fire temple. What, What about the fire temple? The Rito have the fire temple. Oh, yeah, I guess they do. So Rito are fire and earth. Oh, I don't... <laughs> yeah? I don't know, man. <laughs> Wind Waker doesn't make a lot of sense viewed from that lens. Sky is 100% correct. I think that this reminds me of Phantom Hourglass in which there was the temple of Bleh. Oh, no. Bleh's place and then the other temple that was completely unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't think it through too carefully. Who is the Earth God which has the Earth God's lyric? Uh, uh, did we talk about this in the Wind Waker episode? I don't think we ever addressed it. No. I mean, it'd be Din, right? She who created the Earth. Din, who's not real. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean she can't have a song. It's hard to write things when you're not real. I it's written for her. Oh, I see. Yeah, lots of fictional characters have songs. What are you talking about? Ah, uh, hmm. Okay, you got me there. Um, no, I got... Um, I. Mm, I don't have anything. Right. Din, Din is the earth god. The Rito are associated with Din. Who's the wind god? Faror? Uh, mm, wind could go to any one of them, really. Well, Faror did have Faror's wind in Ocarina of Time. Mm. Well, that's true. She did have Faror's wind. She's associated with wind. And she's also associated with the forest. Why don't people worship Nehru? You wouldn't worship Nehru. You're a Nehru worshiper by default. Am I? Yes. Well, I'm not in Wind Waker. You're here to uphold the law. Maybe because the whole world is water, but undrinkable water. Yeah, don't that suck? 
Maybe it was in the scrap dungeons. They just have these big distilleries to distill their water out of the bad seawater. It'd be funny if the Gorons were water-affiliated. Oh, yeah. They do sail on the seas. I think we're at the end of that. Okay. Do we want to do um, a joke recording now or once we actually do the Spirit Tracks episode? Uh Let's do it once we actually do the Spirits Track episode. Okay, cool. Then I'm going to stop this recording. Uh, Count us down to the recording stop. Three, two, one. But I also wanted to ask you, Crystal, uh, we have a few questions in the Book of Medora question document that we could probably address, like, just short. Not all of them. Yeah. Let's do it. Woo. I think Tim also wanted to put in a question. I don't know. Oh, here it is. I did it. Good job. But he'll have to wait because these other questions were sent in before his. Rawl asks, so is the world of the Ocean King its own dimension? What triggers entering and exiting the world? Can anyone just get in and out? Was Linebeck originally part of the world or did he enter it too? Also, is Zhao's a counterpart for Ganondorf? I want to point out here that a lot of these questions are from when Crystal put up a Twitter post asking for questions about Phantom Hourglass. And uh, wh- what do you make of these questions, Crystal? I think the Ocean King decides who can enter and exit his world. He is the one who opens and shuts the door. I do think Linebeck is indigenous to the world of the Ocean King, but uh, the Ocean King let him leave so he could sail new seas. So that he could finally, like, work on his spirit of adventure. Yeah, and get away from his ex. Jolene. Yeah, um, I'd say I agree with that. Only when um, whatever the evil thing is was controlling things. Bellum. Bellum, thank you. The door was open. Yeah. Forced open. So that the ghost ship could lure people in. Do you think the ghost ship ever ran into the ghost ship? Maybe. Oh, wait, we decided that it is actually the same boat. Is it the yeah, same it's boat? The same ship. Yeah, we decided it's the same boat. I don't know if it's the same yeah, boat. After Link removed the Triforce, it was once again able oh. to be taken over by uh, Bella. Right. We, yes. we decided that Zelda Thank leashed you. the ghost ship. Okay. Is Zhao's a can- counterpart for Ganondorf? I don't know. Are the cobble people Gerudo? No. <laughs> But what about the sandy rock? Still no. They are not soft rock. We're not doing this. Uh, they are hard rocks. But there are a lot of male um, cobble people. More so than just the, the king. They are entirely male. Are they? Aren't they? No, I think there's some female ones. Oh yeah, Astrid. Astrid yeah. is female. Astrid is the Ganondorf. <laughs> okay, we've decided as the opposite rules. <laughs> Astrid is the equal opposite of Ganondorf in this setting. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, K writes in, if the hourglass is a phantom, why doesn't the sand fall out? The sand is also phantom. <laughs> I'm glad you amused yourself so goddamn much. It is a magical hourglass of dreams. It's also why you can't just turn the hourglass around to extend your time. It just floats. Yeah, okay, I can accept both of these answers. It's because it's not a literal hourglass and shut up. It's phantom. How dare you? <laughs> That's the ultimate answer. Uh, Jacob asks, that part where you have to close the DS to stamp the map, is it cool or bullshit? Can things be it's both? Good. It's good. I love it. I'm going to call it good. It's also a little bit bullshit, 
I thought it was a little bit bullshit when I did it. Um, but it's cool. It is both. And, uh, Crystal, I think this next one will be the last one. Dan asks, would you go on a date with Lineback? Absolutely not. (laughs) No. 100%. He would absolutely skip on the check. I would go in knowing that in the first place. I bet he's a great conversationalist. (laughs) He would skip out on the check and then your wallet would be missing. No. My wallet doesn't have any cash money in it. He'll try the credit cards. He'll be very disappointed to find that your wallet has nothing. Well, okay, you're not wrong, but I could just leave my wallet at home. It could be one of those dates where you don't take the person out to dinner. All I'm bringing is like a couple's pass for the TTC when we're just going to see some sights. I'll pack a lunch. He'll run off with a lunch. Well, at least I got to hang out with Lineback. Strong no for me. I guess as a podcast, no, we would not date Lineback. And that's it. Cameron, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, at CamWriter. You can find me on Twitter, at ArcaneCrystal. You can find me on AudioEntropy.com on a couple other podcasts. There's Let's Place, where we scientifically and objectively rank every video game according to quality. And there's MCU Complete Me. Uh, It's a podcast where we talk about the Marvel movies. Which one? And give them... Uh, academic grades and grade point averages. You said that the highest possible GPA at this point is a 3.83. Is this assuming the 4.5 scale? No, let me explain our scale. Oh, no. An A plus is a 4.33, and an F minus is a negative (laughs) 0.33. Why? It's just how we do it. Okay. So, what's the current GPA? Oh, let me bring up the document. The current GPA of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as of this recording, having rated everything from Iron Man 1 through Iron Man 3, is a 2.714. So that's what, a B minus, a C plus? That is a solid B minus. That's not bad. Do you anticipate it going up or down? I would anticipate it going up, since the next film we are rating is Thor The Dark World. Uh, <laughs> the most frequently talked about Marvel movie on this podcast. It's a good movie. Yeah, but... I mean, I haven't rewatched it yet, but I liked it. I, I, I agree that I expect the GPA to go up over time, but that's mostly because I think Marvel movies generally get better as they go along. Okay. Um, do you anticipate uh, our boy Luke having the same reaction to it that you do? I don't know. We've agreed seven times in a row so far. Oh. He ended up talking you down on Captain America. I was I was already feeling down on Captain America. Oh. We both liked Captain America and then liked it less after rewatching it. Alas. That's no good. Do you want to hear a Spirit Tracks joke? Yes. A Spirit Tracks joke. Yeah. I have a real choice one here. Uh, this one comes from www.wattpad.com uh, from the user Bookcase16. On there, I'm not familiar with how this website looks, but it appears there's like a separate page titled Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks Joke. Uh, it appears it was actually told by Connor, Bookcase 16's brother. If you know the song Riding Low, you'll get this. Link, there's no phantom trains around. Zelda, hey, you're right. Link, riding slow with my girl. Let's take a cruise into the night. Oh, yeah. Everything will be all right. Oh, Zelda. Slap. Link. Haha, you can't hurt me. You're a ghost. Zelda. Courtesy of Connor, Book K-16's brother. Um. Well, goodbye, everybody. (laughs) 
I'm not familiar with <laughs> no, this. No, 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 no. No, I'm not letting this go on until I, we have to laugh. We're out. I, I, mm. I thought the joke was going to be something that ended up with, like, choo-choo or no, something. No, motherfucker. No, <laughs> this is this is one of those things where you get on and kids write out scripts of scenes for cartoons in their head that they think would play out funny on the television, but then you're just reading the script that they wrote, and that's what Crystal just read to us. And Yes, it, it does appear to be written by a child. Well, bless you, Connor. I'm sure that was pretty funny in your head. <laughs> Connor, if you're one of our listeners, um, write in with a new joke, and I promise we will also use that. I feel like I can say that. I'm, I'm so, I feel bad now. I feel like I'm making fun of a child. Well, I mean, that's kind of what... Uh, mm, well, anyway, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> oh, poor Connor. What's a key thing that... Hyrulean engineers have to do what when they eat their food they have to chew chew I'm stopping the recording fuck this yay